Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Headset plugged in. <laughs> We're working on it here. It's Monday, Kevin. <laughs> As the sun rises from the east, Jake Query scrambles. One of the ear pads has fallen off one of the headsets. <laughs> I would like to say it's a Monday occurrence. I think it's pretty frequent, honestly, throughout the, day the five days. The that ends in Y. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that would be a good way to describe Somebody it. Somebody comes in here. There's, you, you know what it is? Some people have the elf on the shelf that shows up in the middle of the night. We have that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what we'd call it, but, but but we have some sort of like susudio in the studio that just comes in and screws everything up. I don't even know what a susudio is other than a Phil Collins song, but I'm making it up as a word that is a small figure that no one sees that screws things up over the night. The elf in the shelf doesn't screw things up though, right, Mark? She does at our house. <laughs> Should she, we Harry, Harry the headset she? thief? How about that? Should we just okay, delay the go. start of the show to like seven oh three every morning to make sure we're <laughs> all good to go? Because no. it would still be an issue. I'm awake too. By the way, both you guys on this Monday morning, how about a hearty good morning to Gary this morning? I think he said he works at Allegiant, not the airline, but at the Pacer game Friday night. Sat in our seats, and the guy two seats down to me start you know just said, "Hey man, like." Where are Mark and Kevin? That's what he mean. And I'm thinking, and he said, man, I listen to you every morning. On my way in, I go to work. I start work at 7 a.m., and I put you guys in in the earbuds, and you get me through the first three hours. He's like, I love it. And we had a great time. Totally fun. Nice dude. Chill. Shout out to Gary. So, Gary, man, what's up? Hope Gary, if Mark to- and I spent any extra time with Jake outside of this <laughs> job, though, man, I don't know if we'd still be doing this. That's the beauty of this job is this is the first time that we see and or talk to each other all day, every day. Good Monday well, morning to Gary and 7 to everyone out there. Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton. Colts bye week is complete. Four to go. I would argue yesterday might have been the best Sunday of the year for the Annapolis Colts. Uh, we can get more into that throughout the show. Kind of a busy weekend on the college basketball front here locally for Indiana and Purdue Butler with a win out at Cal. And the Pacers back at home. Good Friday night. Bad Saturday night. And then tonight, what will be the reaction for Victor Oladipo inside of that building? Is he going to play? I mean... He's played the last three. No back-to-back. So, signs would indicate this will be the first time Victor Oladipo's played inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse since he was traded. I, I tend to think, Jake, no one really cares anymore. I would strongly agree with that, yeah. There are a lot of people probably like, oh, wait, he's with Miami? And I think it's twofold. One, Victor Oladipo, unfortunately, his career has not progressed anywhere near uh, to the level that he thought it would. He's just a reserve player for the Heat. Um, And the Pacers have found a new boyfriend that they really like. Yeah, you're right. And Boyfriends, probably plural. You are correct, in the big factor there being that Oladipo's kind of out of sight, out of mind, both literally and figuratively, right? Because you don't hear about him at all. It's not like, you know, Paul George is a wonderful player, and so is Oladipo. I realize his body just kind of broke down on him. But 
Paul George is a wonderful player that that is doing unbelievable things, and so you're like, oh man, if they had Paul George, like they would be. <laughs> and so that 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 adds to the sting, right? Where to your point with Oladipo, it's like, well, they probably dodged a bullet there, right? Yeah, I mean, villain is probably too harsh for word to use for him, but like when the guy that you were very glad to see leave isn't still the player that he once was, it just kind of loses luster. He's just kind of, he's regressed as a player. And again, physical health has a whole lot to do with that. Uh, But that will be a storyline tonight. Again, Pacers heat over there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. You were busy, right? You did a little fuel and a little heat or uh, Pacers action this weekend? That's right. Uh, A lot of fun at the fuel game who were in first place, by the way, Friday night. Um, Was there as part of the initiative that they had for Community Health Network who partners with the fuel um, to go watch a little hockey and then kind of let everybody know about getting a heart scan. More people die of, believe it or not, according to the American Heart Association, there are more fatal heart attacks in the final three weeks of December than any three-week period in the year. I would presume that snow shoveling probably contributes to that, but uh, heart scans are a very important way to be preventative with that, so we just wanted to get that message out to let everybody know they're not invasive. They take about 15 minutes, and they're pretty inexpensive, usually about 50 bucks, and Boy, trust and, me. And not to jump the gun on that, Jake, but have you seen this Mike Leach news? No. Boy, um, Mike Leach is not doing well, and it sounds very dicey. Obviously, the we're talking about the football extremely coach, right? unique football coach yeah. from Washington State to Mississippi State. Um, I think reports started to surface yesterday, just like this overwhelming amount from the Mississippi State media contingent and just the SEC football world in general of Mike Leach needs your prayers. And he needs them badly. Um, Lane Kiffin released a statement last night where Lane Kiffin is like talking in the past tense about Mike Leach. Um, so there's no update. Um, something happened, I believe Saturday night, maybe Sunday morning. I, again, a little vague on details right now, um, but I think there were some rumors that a heart attack could have been involved here with Mike Leach. So, um, you know, we'll obviously keep you updated. Grant Wall is another one throughout the morning. Yeah, Grant the Wall, writer. Mm-hmm. And I know, Kevin, we could open a whole can of worms, which I'd rather not. To be honest with you, uh, I know that there's a huge. I've seen a huge string of people now that. Everybody becomes a medical expert, right? But Grant Wall, a a thin, young 48-year-old that collapsed in Qatar while covering the World Cup, and I think that the initial kind of reports were that he was like in the media center at a soccer match and just fell over and died. His brother has since said, and you know, and people were like, oh my gosh, like he had to have been poisoned because he was the one that was outspoken when he first arrived there about their cultural policies regarding uh, homosexuality, gays, lesbians, and he, he, he kind of stood up against that. So there was the thought that he had been poisoned, killed, you know, whatever it may be. His brother has since said that um, he is returning home. I mean, I think. He, if he if his body is not returned yet, it is imminently on its way over in New York, and that they will do like a full autopsy. But he had been apparently complaining of chest pains and issues like leading up to it before, even before he went over. I believe. I thought he said bronchitis in the well. I know he had bronchitis in a few days. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had bronchitis and was talking about how how everyone over there was seemingly you know suffering from the same 
cold and cough. Um, it's my understanding. I, I don't quote me on that, but it's my understanding that he had mentioned chest pain specifically in podcasts that he had done. That may be embellishment, but regardless, I will simply say this. I understand why there are questions. I, I get all of it. I do. But in terms of a seemingly perfectly healthy 48-year-old person out of left field having a heart attack, I will debate and dispute with, or I will debate and argue with anyone who tells me that's not possible because I have pretty good experience with that. So when it comes to, in the case, be it Mike Leach, you know, obviously lifestyle in some cases, I'm not saying Mike Leach, can participate to one having a heart attack, um, but there are also hereditary genetic things, blood clots that are formed by cholesterol and or plaque. I mean, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I have a little bit of experience with it. And so you got to kind of wait to find out everything. But certainly hope the best for Mike Leach, who to your point, Kevin, is a totally colorful personality yeah. and a good football coach, obviously. And for the family or readers, supporters of Grant Wall, condolences as well. Obviously, keep you posted on that. We'll see if any more rumblings out of West Lafayette as their head football coach search continues. I don't know the validity to this, but the name Shane Beamer has been thrown around a little bit here on this Monday morning. We'll see, again, the truth to that. I think there are some Purdue fans that were, I don't know if it's too harsh to say, but resigned to the fact that Tyson Helton out of Western Kentucky could be the guy, but you would think with, again, signing day here in nine days, this is something that Purdue would like to expedite as best they can. Uh, They've already had around a handful of decommits from the Jeff Brom class, and when you know your head coach takes a job at a very similar geographic school, and even a similar school, I think, on a lot of levels, um, from a playing talent standpoint, you know that they're going to pluck that previous recruiting class. So again, we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on that front. You know, Saturday was a bit disappointing, Jake, on, on the basketball front. Whether you were plugged into the Pacers or plugged into IU out in Vegas, boy, that. That, you know, that was that, a bad that, Pacers loss. Really bad. And the, uh, here's the, the two opposites. So the Pacers were in control that entire game until like the last four minutes. And then, you know, the Nets just made plays down the stretch, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, they're down – holy cow, they're down five, you know. Uh, they controlled literally 98% of that game. More like the G League nuts. And that's exactly right. And then – the the IU on the other hand got down early to Arizona, you know, and then there were just they were constantly chasing it, right? They'd get it within two, and then Arizona'd pull away again. It literally it looked like you know when you watch Kevin if you're at a sporting event and they have like the four hats that are like racing. Sure. You know they, yeah, the, yeah, little uh, timeout game. Yeah, exactly. And one of them gets way ahead and then falls back, and the crowd gets super excited because here comes the green section. It was the same thing with the IU-Arizona game. Like, every time you thought IU was going to make the pass, Arizona would kind of kick the turbo booster, and there you go again. Arizona's Look, Indiana's issue, quite frankly, issue's the wrong word because they're obviously a good team, but Trace Jackson Davis is a wonderful player. But... When they go up against teams that have bigs that can double him or make life a little bit difficult and take him away a little bit, you know, not get him a 25-10 and 10 game, 
then Indiana is relying on outside shooting, and they've got to get it consistently. I, you know, Kevin, is it time to start having the discussion? I asked a couple of my IU buddies this. Is it time to start having the discussion of whether or not Tamar Bates should be starting over Xavier Johnson? You know, IU needs a steady point guard, but I don't think Tamar Bates is that either. Um, but he at least is a more reliable shooter. But who's handling the ball? I guess. Well, if Hood Shafino, if Hood Shafino's if healthy, if he's back in the lineup, yeah, uh, he's, yeah. and he's a big difference maker for yeah. them. Again, it's it's chaos at times with Xavier Johnson. But when he was off the floor on Saturday night in that first half, that's when Arizona built that huge lead. I thought Trace and, and I thought Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson got bullied. Um, I thought Arizona's bigs dominated the game. Trace and Race looked like two guys that had spent quite a few hours out on Friday night in Vegas, frankly. Um, Trace playing nowhere near to the expectation that Indiana has for him and should have for him. And I think if you're an IU fan, you got to be disappointed because you know, that environment in this game had a lot of hype around it. I mean, the atmosphere seemed great. I mean, hell, it seemed like, um, and Gus Johnson said this on the telecast, it seemed like an IU home game there. I expected more out of an Indiana team that returns four starters. Whereas an Arizona team, they lost the number six overall pick in Benedict Matherin. They lost another draft pick in Dalton Terry. You would have expected Arizona to be a little bit more, I don't know if awestruck's the right word, but an adjustment to that environment. Whereas Indiana looked like in all of the glitz and the glamour of playing that neutral court game with all these fans and all this hype and walking through the hotel and all these fans are cheering for us. Tommy Lloyd had that team locked in. And to your point, Jake, Arizona answered every single time. We'll see how IU responds this Saturday. That's at Allen Fieldhouse against Kansas. And by no means is the non-conference resume poor for Indiana. But I think it's a bit disappointing if you lose this one on Saturday. And some of it's out of your control because North Carolina has not been anywhere what you thought it would be. But a couple of just missed opportunities here early in the season for IU. Vice versa, winning ugly is the name of the game on the road in the Big Ten, and that's exactly what Purdue did. They did not shoot it well at Lincoln at all. Zach Eady, somewhat quiet from a scoring standpoint. Fletcher Lawyer, outstanding, and Purdue continues their undefeated start to the season. 10-0, and they win in overtime. They actually got a favorable whistle. They're late in that game. Uh, but now it's finals week for both, really, every college program around here. And for Jake, right? We got Tuesday? Is it... Is it- you got it, buddy. Tomorrow's Tuesday, a big day. And then I actually have a paper due on Friday. And I'm then done for the, – everything's done, but I think two classes and then I'm done altogether. So, yep. Like diploma done. Uh-huh. Let's go. <laughs> I mean <laughs> uh, – Now, will there be a – I asked this in all seriousness. Will, we, will there be a walking ceremony? I doubt it because I think it's in May. I'll probably be at the track, right? Why can't we walk at the track? <laughs> Bring the whole class down. I don't know any of them. It's all online. <laughs> Not the social butterfly. Right. I'm like the catfish. Of I think there's a, I think there's enough seats in 16th in Georgetown. Don't talk to them. <laughs> What's does, that? Does a Speedway High School walk over at the track? They and, might, you know, they might. Maybe be part of the pre-race parade. Right. And exactly. <laughs> Me yeah. and my online classmates. Uh, Mr. Bulls, we need to edit just a little bit here. Push that green flag back to about 1226 yeah. this year. Yeah, I mean. We'll get Jake back up to turn three here in no time. I'm simply JL on the little like, because you got to do chat discussions. <laughs> like this JL guy knows a lot about mass communications. <laughs> it's really weird. Well, we'll be thinking about you tomorrow for that final.
Because well, that's, that's, that's the big one, right? 3 p.m. Algebra final, buddy. Yeah. I will be... There will be no tears shed. Here's something I loved seeing yesterday. Kind of a random name scoring a touchdown. How about Marlon Mack? I saw that, and that was a heck of a play. Big screen pass for a touchdown in kind of a wild game between Kansas City and Denver. Marlon Mack's a good dude. I was going to ask you, He's, if I recall, pretty laid-back guy, right? Super laid back, super quiet. Yeah, I think back to him tearing his Achilles. That opener in Jacksonville one year. Coming off a thousand yard season. And had a good debut. That was what? That was that Taylor's rookie year? Seems like it that's was. That's right, yeah. My buddy Paul the Mailman sent me this last night. Not caller Paul the Mailman, but sent me this. We got two Paul the Mailmans? I think there's three, actually. There's oh Paul the Mailman that calls the show, who's one of my favorite callers. And there's Paul the Mailman, who's become uh, just a buddy. He and his wife, Lisa, we do a lot with him. Great guy. Um, he sent me this last night, and I want your reaction, Kevin. He said, I will die on this hill, but the Colts should be in year three of Justin Herbert. The Buckner trade was terrible. If you keep that pick in 2020... And even give up the next two first rounders. They are such a better team right now. If Herbert was leading them, rant over. Yeah, Jake. Something I've said quite often is again when Andrew Luck announces his retirement, you huddle together immediately as an organization, and you start the search for the next quarterback. And honestly, if you look at the best opportunity to have done that, that first draft right after Luck retired, you go seven and nine that 2019 season with Jacoby Brissett. To Paul's point, you're 13 overall in the draft that next April. Not only Herbert going six, Jake, but I mean, Tua went five. And I think at this point, you know, Tua's trending in a positive direction. Watching last night, do you think that offers any sort of excitement to Colts fans? (coughs) And hear me out on this. Colts fans, wake up today. You are seventh in the draft order. If the Arizona Cardinals control home field tonight, you will be sixth. Cardinals-Patriots, Monday Night Football. So you'll enter the final four weeks of the season, sixth place in the draft order. And I'm watching that game last night, and I'm thinking, man, you imagine being a Dolphins or Chargers fan right now, and this is what you've got for the next decade? And where were those two drafted? Tua went fifth. Herbert went sixth. And I get that not every draft is the same, but I found myself sitting there thinking, this is what can happen. Two guys that were not number one, two, or three, and here they are on their rookie contracts. Both are certainly reasons why their teams are having success right now. They are by no means hindering their teams. If anything, there's not maybe enough support around them. Probably in Herbert's case, it's been a little bit more injury-related around him. And here you are, and if the playoff started today, boom. Tua would be there with the Dolphins, Herbert would be there with the Chargers, and you've got two guys on rookie contracts. So right now, as it stands, you got Houston one. I'm not sure if it's Denver or Chicago. It's Denver. Denver two, Chicago three, right? Mm-hmm. Because of strength of schedule. Four is the Lions, right? It's technically the Rams, but yeah, yeah that via the Rams, well, right, right, via yeah. the Rams, yeah. Five is and that the Denver Eagles. pick goes to Seattle, correct? Correct. Yep. I just want to make sure if oh, we're thinking bad, about quarterback bad, yep. need. With those teams. Well, hell, that would be either of them, probably. Um, okay, so right now, Houston is definitely taking a quarterback, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Seattle? 
I would think they would entertain it. And then Chicago, if they stick, does not. But they could shop that for a pretty decent amount. Detroit? I would think they fall in the Seattle category of yep. heavy investment into it. And then five is Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Philly ain't taking a quarterback, right? <laughs> well, I would hope not. <laughs> Arizona think- at six for what it's worth as of tonight. But again, if they win, Indy would I, I don't know them. that you're overly worried about being behind Philly or Arizona. What if Arizona cans it all, though? They just say enough's enough. Kingsbury, Kyler, we got to blow it up. And I think those teams could also shop those picks as well. So even if they're not interested in the quarterback, another team. Seattle, Detroit, and Arizona would almost all fall into the same category of they could probably talk themselves into a couple of things. Yesterday, it was a great day for the Colts. Again, one of the best Sundays of the year, arguably the best. I guess when you've lost, what, five of six, it might fall under the best Sunday of the year category. But do you think there was any sting from Colts fans in watching Tennessee get their doors blown off yesterday? Yeah, because, I mean, you know who all of a sudden is, like, you know who, like, literally woke up to the alarm clock and is all of a sudden kind of, like, starting to rub its eyes and see a little vision? Jacksonville, within that division, right? While the Colts just kept hitting this for, like, a three months the Colts have hit the snooze button yeah I remember when the Colts got to I don't know maybe it was after the Raiders game when they won that game we said all along if you get to nine win like I never felt like this was a a great Tennessee team and I think injuries have started to finally catch up to them now they've got off the field stuff they fire their GM out of the blue Uh, they've lost three in a row they've lost their last two by combined 39 points and yet you are in no position to take advantage of that and it's going to be nine wins in all likelihood for the AFC South winner. If you were in, again, the Colts returned from their bye week today, four games to go in the season. Jake, if the Colts played in the AFC East, North, or West, they'd be eliminated from the playoffs. Right. But they play in the AFC South. And as I've said all along, God bless the AFC South. It's hey. the sorriest division by far in the AFC. No one has a positive point differential of any of the four teams. And yet, here are the Colts coming back from their bye week. Four-game stretch. Final quarter of the season. Here we go. And you are in zero, zero position to take advantage of a reeling Titans team. Who are the two... Okay. This year, heading into the year, who were the two sexy picks in the NFL? Like, the two picks that people are like... You know, this is going to be the year that it all kind of comes together for them, and they, they've shown strides, and they're going to make it. I'm not saying Super Bowl picks, but who were the two teams that people thought were really going to take a big step this year? So definitely the Chargers. Chargers okay. for sure, yeah. The Chargers were one, and then... I'd say the Jaguars. The people at least thought they would be better than what they are right now. Because the two... You're going to laugh when I say this. If the trajectory stays the same here in the last three weeks, four weeks, the two that that's going to be for next year are going to be the Jaguars and guess who in the NFC? Who's not going to make the playoffs probably, but all of a sudden woke up and looks competent. You go with the fighting Dan Gambles? Yes. Mm -hmm. The fighting Motmans of the Detroit Lions. They might make the playoffs this year. 
They could backdoor their way in there. And, I'm not and, sold on the Giants. And give credit to Jared Goff. Like, all of a sudden, the Lions have found some offensive competency, and, you know, they're right there. I mean, the Lion, this has to be the latest in the year that the Lions find themselves in the, quote, in the hunt category on like Sunday night football, They're right? Hang a banner just because. Yeah. Of <laughs> Since Jim Caldwell was yeah. steering the ship up there. Yeah. Yeah. Five of six for the Lions. They beat the Vikings, who the Colts will see on Saturday afternoon. Justin Jefferson with 223 receiving yards. That is a franchise record. The Vikings can't stop anybody. How about Kirk Cousins threw for 400? Right. And they still got destroyed. They can't stop anybody and they can't run the football. We'll see if the Colts can do. Did you guys see the early line on that one? No. Care to take a stab at that one? Colts and Vikings Saturday at one o'clock. Ten and three Vikings, four, eight and one Colts. Vikes by seven and a half. I will say Vikings by five and a half. Four and a half. Wow. There was that's got to be just pure. A month ago, there was shock at what the Vikings have done. The Vic- like a month ago, the Vikings were one of the three best teams in the league, right? When they went to Buffalo, and uh, you know, I think I saw yesterday they're the first ten and three team in the history of the NFL to have a negative point differential. Mm-hmm. Really? They've just they won are- all these one possession games. They've gotten blown out in a few of them. Again, they can't stop anybody. They're in the midst of. Allowing at least 400 yards of total offense in five straight. The Colts are going to see a very reeling Vikings team defensively and in their run game. And coming off a short week on Saturday. They're an average team with an above average record. That's basically it. And to be fair, they probably benefit from playing in the AFC North. Uh, This from Shane. NFC North. NFC North. Kevin, Chris Ballard told you his outlook on quarterback, I believe, in the presser when McDaniels backed out. He said QB is just one guy. He thought trenches meant more in the NFL than quarterback. Boy, he said that in the opening presser. Yeah. That was the opening press conference of his tenure, January 2017. Yep. Uh, again, my bi- biggest disagreement with the Ballard era. All right. A whole lot to get to on today's Kevin and Query. We'll have Joel Erickson join us at 8 o'clock, who will be the starting quarterback this Saturday for the Colts. We'll Joel get will be. His thoughts. <laughs> Could be better than what Matt Ryan's given this team lately. And Dustin Apirak at 8.30. You'll probably remember Dustin's days of covering the IU beat. By the way, IU playing for a national title tonight in Ben's soccer, the College Cup, Indiana and Syracuse from Cary, North Carolina. But Dustin is the new Pacers beat writer for the Indianapolis Star. So we'll talk a little Pacers with him as Victor Oladipo, someone Dustin knows very well. Again, from his days in the IU beat, as Victor Oladipo makes his return to Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight. Um, it is going to be another overcast day, it sounds like, in Indy, which I believe is the 337th straight day for that. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton, 93.5 on a 7.5, The Fan. Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We shall begin with the week that was in the National Football League, which of course caps off tonight, New England and Arizona out in the desert. But notable games from yesterday, as we had talked about, the Chargers over the Dolphins 23-17. That might have some playoff implications, but in terms of implications that we just discussed and will continue to discuss about the Colts themselves. 
And the teams that lost yesterday, Kevin, that would be which ones are we looking at here? Uh, Jags over Titans and then the Panthers over the Seahawks. Those two wins push the Colts from ninth to seventh in the draft order. Uh, to your point, they can climb up one spot higher. No, probably no reason to cheer against the Patriots anymore, but you have reason for that tonight. If the Cardinals beat the Patriots, the Colts would be sixth. You know, in, in hindsight, the draft order. that that loss to Pittsburgh is big too, right? In hindsight, oh, huge, huge, <laughs> I mean, yeah. At the time, and vice versa, the win over Denver is not ideal. Yeah, you're right. When you look back on it, but hey, welcome to Week 14 as the Colts return from their bye week. Uh, college basketball over the weekend. Let's begin with Purdue. They win in overtime at Nebraska, so they will start the Big Ten season 2-0. and uh, Did not shoot it well at all from the perimeter of the foul line, but Fletcher Lawyer made some big plays. Purdue got a pretty nice whistle too late, um, and they beat Nebraska in overtime. Indiana against Arizona. Arizona jumped all over IU out in Vegas, and every time the Hoosiers made a run from there, the Wildcats answered 89-75. Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, who in particular, Trace raced at a couple threes early. Uh, really struggled. Frankly, Arizona's bigs just outplayed IU down low. Here was Mike Woodson afterwards on the second loss of the season. We got down early, but I thought we fought. You know, I can't fall effort. I thought we gave great effort, but you got to give a lot of credit to this team. This, this team is Arizona team is a good team. They are, and we was challenged tonight. Um, I got to do a better job of getting us in in position, man. But I thought. The game was one in the paint, and they were the better team tonight in the paint. I'd like to thank the guy at the end of the hallway on an iPhone that sent us that audio. That was cool. Right. Trace's third and fourth foul, I thought, was just, you, you can't have that. you got to expect more out of your first-team All-American in those moments. The Balo, the big fella for Arizona, he looks like he could play left tackle in the NFL. Um, just Good dominated. Way of saying it. Dominated down low. By the way, uh, Kevin was giving a lot of information about the Indiana-Arizona game because he did not want me to mention that Marquette, 79-64 over fire Notre Mike Bray. Dame. Just fire him. <laughs> Notre Dame stinks. They Notre couldn't guard you, Jake. Notre Dame, 7-3, and three, by the way. Stinks. Resume's awful. Season's over. Okay. Uh, Southern Indiana, 88-85. Stan Gerard's group getting a win over Indiana State. Sycamore's falling to 9-2. and two. Southern Indiana now 5-5. Uh, five and five. Uh, Pacers return home this weekend. They split. Uh, they beat the Wizards on Friday night. Big nights from Buddy Heal, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather, and company. But then Saturday, really a poor loss. The Nets benched everybody, rested everyone of note. Uh, Indiana absolutely owned on the offensive glass. 29 offensive rebounds for Brooklyn. I thought Jalen Smith had a great quote after the game. Kind of a sad quote, but a great quote. Basically said, we disrespected them. Which I thought was disappointing because... What the Nets did to the Pacers is kind of like what the Pacers did to the Warriors last week. You know, Pacers very missing good, all these guys, and then they up. beat the Warriors, but yet Saturday night the Nets came in here. Uh, you were in the building, Jake. Seven-point lead with five minutes to go, and the Nets made all the plays I late. I mean, they were great for 98% of the game and then made the plays down the stretch. You're right. Patty Mills, a couple of big plays for the Nets in that game. Pacers heat tonight, slight underdog as Victor Oladipo makes his return. Uh, just a couple quick notes from the weekend. Heisman Trophy winner is indeed Caleb Williams. Um, great to see Michael Penix on the ballot. I think he get finished eighth, I believe. Really? That's cool. He's got to be one of the favorites, you would think, entering. I mean, obviously Caleb Williams will be a Heisman favorite, but yeah, I think Michael Penix would 
have a chance Would to Penix be. Would be the first 27-year-old to win the Heisman? He might be. Doesn't it seem like he's been in college forever? It does. Great player, though, and a great comeback story, for sure. And our final four in the World Cup, again, we mentioned earlier, Indiana in the College Cup National Championship tonight against Syracuse. You've got Croatia and Argentina tomorrow, and then Morocco, the upset story, frankly, of maybe World Cup history, the first African nation to make a semifinal. They will take on France. That is like, that's George Mason, UConn type stuff right there. When you were a kid, um, what are the, the instruments called? That are the the little things you spin between your fingers. They have the the little beads on either side. You know what I'm talking fidget about? Fidget spinners, huh? Fidget spinners. No, fidget spinners. Aren't they called like a maraca? Are we checking out at CVS and buying fidget spinners Maybe. here? I think they might be of Native American origin. Thought, but you know what I'm talking I about? I thought a maraca was more of a shake, like a yeah. yeah. Kind of that, that might be shake, right. yeah, like yeah, a, like yeah. a bit well, of a rattle. Yeah. I'll have to think of. I'm not doing a very good job of. It's not fidget spinners, Jake, which is what you're talking about. That's they great radio, though. Fidget trying to spinners, explain like that. three years ago, they came out with. Uh, when we come back, by the way, the Colts did move up and have some victories, as Kevin had mentioned. But why might there be a bigger challenge than you think that comes with that? We will explain exactly that on this a Monday morning. Good morning to you. It is Kevin and Corey. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 351075 the fan. Uh, that actually sounds like the Colts just scored a touchdown, whether that be, which I realize it's been a while, uh, whether that be like a week ago or 1985. Part of that fresh soundtrack of the Colts, right? It's also hey. because we were all feverishly Googling drums. A Japanese pellet drum is what I was talking about. Did you did you look that up, Mark? Yeah. Did, do you know what I'm talking Did you guys have I mean, those? I've seen it before. I've never heard it. I've never heard it called the Den Den Dyko. Yeah, I've never. Well, I don't know that we ever knew it. Of, <laughs> Sounds like a Netherlands program. defender in the World Cup, Mark. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what a great was, re-entry by Mark Dyton. Den Den Dyko was my favorite character in Ted Lasso, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that is the perfect re-entry because it was a great Sunday for the Indianapolis Colts. They move up two draft positions thanks to the Panthers going into Seattle and getting a W and Jacksonville going into Tennessee and getting a win. They can climb up one more spot to six if Arizona takes care of New England tonight, Monday night football from the desert. So a really good Sunday as the Colts return from their bye week. Uh, Jake, the question is who starts a quarterback on Saturday? Well, that's not only the question for the Colts, but then also who who's going to be starting for them next year if this is the year they finally pull the trigger and go with a young quarterback, Kevin. I... I had a discussion with someone. I don't know if they want me to say their name or not, so I'll just say I had a discussion with someone over the weekend 
who knows a lot more and is more involved with the Colts than I. And they were saying that, you know, they basically have told the Colts, not they're not like somebody that's on the payroll, but um, but it's it was their opinion, and I don't mean that to be vague. It's who it is is, is they're credible. And they were just simply saying, hey, at this point, you, you need to start playing for the pick. You're, you're this close to it. You need to start playing for the pick and move up as much as you can because you've got to get the quarterback. And then the discussion turned to the challenge in drafting a quarterback in today's NFL. And I think the challenge is this, and that is that I'm not saying this hasn't always been the case, but two things have happened in college football. And again, as it was kind of explained to me, but two things have happened in college football in the last 20 years that wasn't necessarily the case when John Elway or Dan Marino or even Peyton Manning was playing in college. And that is that the offensive schemes that are run at the professional level are different than at the college level. And the way that defenses play, in particular against the pass, is much different professionally with the spacing of the field than it is at the college level. And at the college level, oftentimes at the big programs, quarterbacks are throwing one of two ways. They're either throwing very quick outs in like a hurry-up kind of frantic offense. You see that like with the the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the USC's of just like drop back. Usually it's, you know, there's not as much air it out. It's usually dynamic playmakers in, in a quick open space. And you're not relying on a drop-back quarterback to wait, see things open up down the field, read multiple progressions, because at the college level, oftentimes it's more conducive to you to take off and run, with the exception of you are seeing that more with, obviously, pro quarterbacks now. But my point being that analyzing a quarterback at the college level in terms of their immediate translation into the NFL is people in the NFL will tell you is much more challenging to do today than it was 20 years ago because the chasm between the college game and the NFL game is offensively speaking is bigger than it's been in a long time so a guy can put up you know, Trevor Lawrence is a great example I think the world of Trevor Lawrence and still do and we see moments in the NFL when Trevor Lawrence looks like that guy and I said I thought he'd be the next Peyton Manning but what I probably didn't take into account, Kevin, and should have, is that Trevor Lawrence, when he was at Clemson, was throwing to almost exclusively guys that were playing on sun that are playing on Sundays. Josh Allen at Wyoming was not right, but I just think that it is a hard quarterback has always been the hardest position in sports to analyze and plug, but it is absolutely harder now than I think it has been in the past, and that's why it is so critical to find the guy that works because it's a crapshoot. It really is. But, of course, the higher you're drafting, the the easier it is to find the guy that is so good that it's can't miss and you're not taking a risk on it. Yeah, I mean, the college game is really, really different from how the NFL operates. Um, I also think you have a bit of a stubbornness from NFL systems that they don't want to cater more to that college game. They don't want to implement you know, what made that college quarterback so successful to the NFL level. 
Um, I know it's not seamless to try and do, but I think it's something that offensive coordinators have got to tap into more. Um, And honestly, uh, watching last night, first off, I was laughing a bit thinking, can you imagine the Colts offense looking like either of these two teams and what they're trying to attempt to do with two in the Dolphins and Justin Herbert and the Chargers? Um, It's just a totally different style of football. Um, And I said this in the opener. I think last night, you watched that. You've got to be encouraged if you're a Colts fan because as you sit here right now, and you're 7th in that draft order, you could jump up to 6th tonight. Look at the teams above you. Chicago doesn't need a quarterback. Philly doesn't need a quarterback. We can debate Seattle. We can debate Detroit. But the Colts are all of a sudden in a position where they come back from their bye week and they might have the 2nd or 3rd quarterback for their taking in this draft class. And what was last night? Tua, number two quarterback in that draft class, fifth overall pick, Justin Her- or, uh, Joe Burrow went number one, and then Justin Herbert going six overall. And I think that's where you're in a position that you have to feel encouraged if you're a Colts fan. Obviously, things still need to cooperate here over the final four weeks. But there was always this question, Jake, of, man, are you going to be drafting in the teens? Are you going to be drafting 11 or 12? And now, with the schedule still looking difficult, again, at Vikings, home to the Chargers, at the Giants, home to the Texans, you have an opportunity, as long as you don't screw it up, to be drafting high. Um, To your point earlier, if the Colts have one eye looking towards the future, and I I guess I'm paraphrasing a little bit on, on what on who you were talking to and what that person said about the Colts' final four games, which quarterback gives you the best chance to continue to lose? Ryan, Foles, or Ellinger? Take your pick, I think. (laughs) I was going to say, man. I mean... Take your pick, you said, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a lot of truth behind that. Bourbon, whiskey, vodka, right? Like, which one? And does Jim Mercer think that, Jake? Does Jeff Saturday think that? Jeff Saturday doesn't want to lose. Why does Jeff Saturday well, care about the future at quarterback here? Kevin, as I have said numerous times on this program, perhaps the biggest challenge for the Colts right now might be the fact that you've got three guys looking in three different directions, yep. right? Yep, yep, yep. I mean, if you're, we're right now on Monument Circle, okay? God, another ugly-looking morning. It is. I mean, we're not supposed to see the sun for like a week. We're on Monument Circle. If we need to get to... The pyramids. There are three different ways you can go. Mark might want to go straight at Meridian. You might want to go up Michigan Road and then over. I think I'm gonna do 65. Okay, there you go. 65 would be a good call, right? I mean, there's and so we all got to go to the same place, but we got three different ways to get there. And that's my concern with the Colts right now. That's my concern with the Colts. I do just I sit there and watch yesterday, and again, I'm more of a one eye towards the future sort of thinker. So I feel like you should be excited if you're a Colts fan, but there is just an element of this stings that you're watching Tennessee reeling. Losers of three straight. Last two by a total of 39 points. They fire their GM out of the blue. They're not a great football team. They're sitting here at 7-6, and and you're in zero position whatsoever to take advantage of that. And that has to sum up, and that has to, I think, piss off Jim Mercer. The state of your franchise, when you come back from this bye week, it's mid-December, all this hype around these games. Again, you, you, you're you in the solo Saturday 1 o'clock slot. Next week, you're in the Monday night football home game slot. And we just spent the first hour of the show, and I think Colts fans would agree, talking about draft position. 
instead of the division is sitting there on a platter for you. Unlike the AFC East, unlike the AFC North, unlike the AFC West, all three of those divisions, the Colts would already be eliminated from the playoffs. Division does you no good this year. You would be in a position to finally win it. You get For the first hang, time since 2014. You get to hang another banner and move perhaps one of your AFC wildcard participant banners off to the side. But a, a division this year does the Colts zero good. None. Great. So they get to go in and go to Buffalo or Kansas City and get humiliated. Does them no good. None. If the Colts are listening, the playoffs this year do you no good, and it would fool no one if you actually snuck your way in, which is not going to happen. Right, but it just stinks, Jake, that the the, the division is sitting there and correct. you can't even take it. You're right. You're you you can't host a playoff game for the first the time since 2014. Right? And for that matter, if going out and winning the division was, in fact, what they wanted to do, they got no one to blame for them but themselves because they screwed around with their roster in the middle of the season. And they just started experimenting. And it cost him games. We're going to talk a little Pacers, a little IU hoops with Dustin Apparat coming up at 8.30. Next, though, Joel Erickson from the Star. Who does he believe will start at quarterback on Saturday in Minnesota? We'll chat about that next, 8 o'clock hour. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Unlike our last re-entry, I don't know if I've ever heard this song on a Colts game. I would love to hear this song on a Colts after, game. Is this after 1984? This sounds like what they play at a Raiders game when the black hole was alive and well. <laughs> yeah, that does. Do they still have the black hole in Vegas? or did that? Did... Uh, I, no, I don't think they do. Nothing's like the black hole in the Coliseum. Oh, I mean, you've been to Oakland Coliseum, obviously, Kevin, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I went there for an A's game. And the entire upper level of the Coliseum had tarps over it that said, Welcome to Oakland, California, home of the athletics or something. And you could tell that originally it was just, Welcome to Oakland. But then they realized, we're still not getting anybody sitting up here. They just circled the whole thing. That would be my vote for worst NFL stadium I've been to. Let's ask our next guest who he would vote for in that category. Joel Erickson, what's the worst NFL stadium you've been to? It's it's that one, but since it's not on the list anymore, um, and then the the second worst was the the one in San Diego. That one had like exposed wires and stuff. But <laughs> how about, how about one, candlestick? One that's, I I don't I never ended up doing that one. Okay. I've only done Levi's, the new one. But the the worst one now is the one is Washington's Landover. It's a bad view. It's a bad stadium. It's out like in the middle of nowhere. I can't stand that one. No wonder they hate Daniel Snyder, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's way outside of DC. Like you, and you kind of drive like into the middle of nowhere, and and you just oh look, stadium. I will tell you what, fabulous stadium, but terrible press box. Arrowhead, the Arrowhead press box when I was there, like the ceiling was like four and a half feet high. It was everybody was crammed in. Great stadium though, great stadium. Yeah, that one's got that one's got a lot of because you get the tailgating. It's it's worse for us than it is for the fans. I Correct. think it's a great stadium for the fans. Totally, that's that's but exactly the, right. But the the press box is cramped. You're all like stuffed in there where you don't have a seat next to somebody else, and the the parking is tough. But it's tough because like what makes Kansas City is the tailgating, and so everyone's already there, and that's why it's hard. I mean, honestly, one of my votes for the better ones would be the one that you will be inside of on Saturday. That will be the Viking Stadium. 
Uh, Joel, the starting quarterback that you will see for the Colts on Saturday afternoon, your best guess uh, is to who? I think Matt Ryan, but that's like with the maybe the least sure guess ever. <laughs> the lesson of this Colts season has been anything can happen at any time. And um, it, it's also a little bit hard to read Jeff Saturday because we only have four games. We don't, we don't have a lot of, of – of change or history to go off of with him. You know, he's, he's pretty much said we're going to stick with what we've got. Uh, but obviously coming off of three interceptions and, and everything that happened in Dallas, you, you could see a change happening. I just, I just am, am skeptical about how much it would change the, the fortunes of this offense at this point in the season. If you had to play the hypothetical route, do you think better chance they'd go Foles or Ellinger if they were to make a switch? I, I think Foles. Um. Again, this is this is totally a guess, though, just based off of what they did last week, uh, where they where they elevated Foles to the number two spot. I the other thing is they've been talking about. We, we've heard some stuff about the coaches saying that they want to get the ball downfield, and by far the guy who did that most in training camp was Foles in terms of just just really pushing the ball downfield. So that that's my guess, but like I said, totally a guess. I a, a Saturday. What Saturday's been wanting to do? He's also. He's also made it pretty clear he's not going to give us any hints. You know, the the Ryan thing, there's a couple other moves where it was like he, he sort of hid it and obscured it during the week, and then it just popped it on us on, on the weekend. You know, when you, Joel, really look at it, the Colts are kind of being, whether they want to or not, isn't there the possibility that the Colts are almost being forced to go ahead now and play for the draft position just because everybody else has helped move them to the front of that line anyway, so they might as well go for it at this point? Well, Saturday has said over and over again that he's he can't play for that because he's he's playing for what's what's on his name and all the players say that. But I think the reality of the situation from, from us outside is uh, – that draft position, if you're a Colts fan, knowing that you need a franchise quarterback, every time somebody wins, like, you know, Carolina or something like that, you, you get a little excited. So uh, I think I think whether or not they're doing it inside the building, I think there's a significant part of the fan base that goes, let's, let's see how high we can get in this draft so we can get a quarterback. He's Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Star, covers the Colts, does a great job with him alongside Nate Atkins and Greg Doyle there, um, make up the star trio. I would say one of the biggest storylines for me, Joel, in these final four games comes from an individual standpoint, and that would be Bernard Ryman at left tackle. Um, Do you think we've seen enough one way or the other to get an answer on Ryman? And and how would you kind of assess what you've seen from him since he's really been a full-time starter for the past probably couple months now? Yeah, I don't think we have enough quite yet, but I think think the hard part with Ryman and the hard part with evaluating him for what he's going to be in the future is that when he's had mistakes, they've been big, crucial mistakes. So they stick out in your brain. Um, on a per play basis, I think there's been some encouraging stuff. And if I'm with you, I'm with you. That, that could be the most important thing for this team, because if he can, if he can figure out how to get rid of the big mistake or the big high profile issue, all of a sudden this team has a left tackle going forward that you can expect to get better and and that would be a, a world of help for an offensive line that I think is probably going to go through some change in the offseason. So may, maybe maybe more so than anybody else 
I'm trying to think if there's anybody else on the roster that I feel like is 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 in that cl- that class where we don't know much about him. I, I think you're right. I think Ryman is is the one, and with him, it's really just about. This was kind of how it was in training camp too. It was it was never about Kenny do it. It was Kenny do it consistently because he'll look really good for seven eight plays. And then you know you you get in the in the fourth quarter and something something really bad happens. And if you could ever eliminate that, then then maybe they've got something there. Joel A. Erickson is our guest. He's with the Indianapolis Star. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, Joel, the interesting thing actually, when you look at it, at this particular game, is yeah, three weeks ago I would have said, man, there is no chance the Colts go into Minnesota. I mean, it's. It, it writes itself, right? You might as well just roll over because you ain't going to beat Minnesota. But I think that's the intriguing thing is that maybe this game is more in play. Minnesota might be more vulnerable than one thought. But Kevin and I were just talking about this, and I want your reaction to it, Joel, to piggyback off what you were talking about with Jeff Saturday. I think the challenge for the Colts right now is between Ursay Saturday and Ballard, it's entirely possible at no fault of any of theirs that you got three guys with three different initiatives at this point. I know they're all on the same on the same team, but realistically, they kind of have understandably different motivations at this point. Is that fair? Yeah, I they'd probably bristle at the different motivations thing, but I Well, I understand I publicly they would for sure. Yeah, I, well, that's what I was, was going to say is I think I think your ultimate, you know, reaction to what happens is probably different. You're probably right about that. that where where you go, it, where you're going, okay, we we want to win this, but if we don't, you know, there's 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 a benefit to it for some of them. Um, and I don't know if that's true for you know Jeff Saturday or, or Ballard or, or whoever, but um, that. They have to, if we see, if, if, if on the outside they see it, like, then it has to be something that's, like, at least entered their mind, you know? And probably more than that, uh, of where they're at with this franchise and what can happen. Again, Joel, <clears throat> Joel A. Erickson is with us from the Indianapolis Star here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, <clears throat> this is a question I think it's really difficult to answer, so I, I apologize for asking it, but, you know, it's one of the ones that's certainly near the top of the list as we. Um, hit the final four games of the season. How are we supposed to evaluate Jeff Saturday? Um, I I feel like we evaluate them based on what Jim Irsay said when he hired him. Which, when he hired him, he said that we were going in the wrong direction. I need to do something to turn this team around. And that, is that harsh for a first-time head coach? Um yeah, but that's that's not that's not us saying that. That's that's the owner saying that. That's the guy who hired him saying that. And so, if if we don't see him turn it around, uh, I think you have to hold him to their own standard. So Steve uh, Wilkes is currently turning it around, but the Colts at one and three so far are not turning it around. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you have to be you have to be better than than they were with Reich at the helm to feel like you've turned it around at all. And and they they. They haven't really been so far. I, I, you can you can make a moral victory, you know, argument with Philadelphia, but I don't really believe in those in the NFL. So, you, you know, I, I again, I, I think it's not even about like what we think. It's it's about what what they said was why they made the move and and what they expected to happen. And like I said, he said we're going in a we're going in the wrong direction. I'm making this move to turn things around. It hasn't happened so far. So that's that's where I'm at with it. 
What one area, Joel, if you had to pick it, since they've made the coaching change, give me an area, though, where the Colts, where you can look at it and go, yep, I see the difference right there in a good way. Um, they've started faster. Yeah, that would be my answer. And the O-line has maybe they've, played slightly better. Yeah, they, they've started, they've started faster. Um... That's that's pretty much that's because you know one of the other change. There's some other stuff that's that are changes that I don't know are necessarily like they've they've become really high run it uh, run heavy run over expectancy team, and I think we're seeing the limits of that sometimes on first down when Taylor's running into these enormous stack boxes. Um, but yeah, probably the uh, the slightly faster starts. Now the flip side is they haven't exactly finished very well, so. Um, but yeah, the faster start to be the one with me. So, at what point do we say? Maybe we do already. This roster just didn't very good. Just, just. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm there. You yeah. know what I mean? This roster <laughs> yeah. just didn't very good. Yeah. They're just not. They're just, just not good. I mean, yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think it's the biggest thing is just like there's a lot of stuff to talk about with this team. We've got 17 weeks, but like at the at the root cause of it, it just comes down to what we knew before the offensive line. Uh, didn't play anywhere near its reputation. A lot of that has to do with the beginning issue of making the wrong moves at left tackle and right guard. Um, in the running game, I think the loss of Jack Doyle and not replacing him with a blocker uh, has has also played a very key role. Um, and that's, that's sort of the root of all this, and I think all of the tendrils of everything that's happened comes off of that, but but yeah, at some point, it just comes down to it's not a good enough roster, and it's especially not a good enough roster at the offensive line, uh, and to some degree, the depth on the defensive line, which is where they, they say they're supposed to be the best. Joel, this time last year, the Colts are about to have a league-high seven Pro Bowlers. We'll get Pro Bowl announcements coming up. I think voting, I want to say, ends the end of this week. I think early next week is when we... Um, hear word on that. I kind of divide up pro bowlers into deserving slash deserving. You actually have a chance to get voted into the game. Unfortunately, a guy like Grover Stewart, I think, falls into the latter, uh, or I should say the deserving category, not the deserving, and will get voted in the game. Having said all that, um, if I set the over-under at two and a half Colts pro bowlers, you would go where? Probably under. Teams, teams with losing records generally don't get three on there. Do they even get two? Um, oh, wait a minute. Are, are we going – let me ask you guys this for the sake of your guys' discussion here. Are we going with the ninth alternates included after no. eight guys? <laughs> yeah. let, you know, that, is, the, that is fair. I, I, let's go with the initial vote because, yeah, you can get the 13th alternate in there. Um, I, I think they get two. If I had to guess, my two would be Buckner and Nelson. Um, and that's based on the, the that's based on the last top ten voting I saw for, from the fans, um, because I think I think Colts players are probably going to get a bigger boost from the players and coaches than than some of the other guys. Um, no Gilmore, but he wasn't even in the top ten in the in the fan voting. Was he not? Um, the last time I saw it, although there were only three AFC cornerbacks, so who who knows with that? I, I think he's probably played at that level. Um, and then, and Buckner's even an iffy one, not not because of the way Buckner's played, but just because the rest of the AFC has Quinn Williams and 
Jeff Simmons and Chris Jones and some other really good players yeah. at positions. So it's pretty it's pretty chock full. So, um, uh, but I, I would say probably two would be my guess. Yeah, I'd throw Grover Stewart, Zaire Franklin into the deserving. You could make a candidacy, yeah. but again, not going to garner vote. And then weirdly, I want to say Jonathan Taylor is fourth in the AFC in rushing, but Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb seem like slam dunks. Yeah, Taylor wasn't in the top ten the last time I saw a list, too. Um, he's Weirdly, he's going to end up with... They, they play... Uh, the Vikings are kind of a middling run defense, and then the last three teams are all among the worst run defenses in the NFL. So there's a chance that Taylor's going to end up with a season that looks like a, a pretty respectable season, nothing like last year, but a pretty respectable season, which is interesting because it's it doesn't feel like that if you've watched him week in and week out. It feels like feels like he's had a real down year, but but I think yardage wise, he might end up with like twelve hundred or twelve hundred and fifty yards. Yeah, the Vikings have really struggled as of late against the run, which is you know I, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Like three weeks ago, I would have said like when we were talking about the NFC, Kevin, and I'm like, well, you got Minnesota. You know, I mean, obviously Philly, but Minnesota's right there. I mean, Minnesota to me, that's how I, I don't how Joel, turvy the NFL can be. Joel, you're not a big Vegas line guy, but I, I'm curious if this will catch you by surprise. And I guess me even mentioning it to you, you could probably tell where I'm going with it. Um, have you seen the early line for Colts Vikings? I haven't. Any guesses? Uh, well, I'm, I'm guessing now based on what you what you. Oh no! Uh, oh no! I'd be such six? a bad. You six? said six. Yeah, four and a half Vikings favored. Four and a half. Wow. So, so there's an interesting thing with the Vikings here um, that kind of plays into what Jake's saying. If if you look at, I know not a lot of people like DVOA, the Football Outsider stat, but it's it's sort of an all encompassing like level of quality stat for teams. The, the Vikings are maybe like one of the worst teams for their record ever based on that and and the, the the easier stat the simpler stat i saw last week was if you change the outcome it was a, it was a listing of record if you change the outcome of every one possession game in the nfl this year the vikings went to one in 11 wow, they, wow. they've been really riding that edge and their record and what they are uh, are, are what they act, probably actually are is very different. Like they they went to one and eleven. I mean, the Colts. If you change their records in one possession games, it was there's still four wins. But good. Um, but yeah, the 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 Vikings. The Vikings would be one and eleven if you change their. Well, I guess Dow. I can't remember what the score was yesterday, but um, I think they still would have lost that game. So uh, yeah, no, they, it's it's a team that's record. They've played really really well in close games. And won a lot of close games, which generally, like we always talk about that as like that's a good thing. But in general, that's usually an indicator that there's there's some underlying issues. Joel, I'm going to ask you this last question, having nothing to do with the Colts, but it does have to do with the NFL. Kevin, feel free to chime in. Is it possible that the team right now that's playing the best football in the NFL and coming together at the right time, health might be an issue in a couple of areas, albeit that no one is talking about is. 110 miles south of here on I-74. Are the Cincinnati Bengals setting themselves up for another run through the AFC? The the Cincinnati Bengals look really good right now. They're 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 winning games. They're winning a lot of them by double digits. Um, it feels like their defense is starting to play well. Um, 
and I, I didn't see what happened with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins both got hurt yesterday at some point. I didn't see if they're serious or not. But yeah, the Bengals. The Bengals. I've noticed that too, Jake. The, the Bengals are are coming on. Uh, T. Higgins tweaked his hamstring in the warmups, and they held him out. I don't. So to your point, I don't know how serious that is. It may that be bad. Sound like it's gonna. That doesn't sound like it's gonna affect the playoffs. No. Um, so yeah, no. The Bengals. The Bengals are in there. That what what the other the other hot team. What Philly's done since they had the scare against the Colts has been terrifying. Yeah, they're just blowing people out. They're just destroying people since then. You know, to the Bengals' point, they did it without Jamar Chase, or have done it without Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Yeah, for some of these stretches here. Well, and then you know now you got Chase in the mix, and I mean he's right back. now he's back. Yeah. And the playoffs started today. You'd have Titans Bengals rematch, Chiefs Chargers Ravens Dolphins. Those would be your three AFC wild card matchups with the Bills getting the bye. Those are three pretty darn good matchups. Yeah, I'd, I'd take those. Uh, the AFC, the AFC, no matter how it shakes out, is going to be way more interesting in the early rounds. Yeah, I would agree. NFC, I feel like. I would agree. Joel, uh, hope you enjoyed the bye week, man. As always, thank you, and uh, we'll see you this week, and safe travels up to Minneapolis. Yep, thanks for having me on, guys. Joel A. Erickson, right there from the Indianapolis Star. This is really cool from Pat. I didn't realize this watching um, on Saturday afternoon, but... Jake, we're alluding to it on Friday's show. It's a must for me. Pre-game, post-game, I've got to be there for Army-Navy. One of the um, pilots in the flyover for Army-Navy was a Ron Colley product. Really? That's awesome. How about that game? Uh, which of the three of us said? Did right? you, you, you went with Army? I said 19-10, to 10, but I went with Army, right? Hey, how about the over? Yeah. Hey, First time in overtime. But first hey. time in 17 years. <laughs> like nothing says Army Navy like just an absolute slugfest for 60 minutes. Neither team can score. It goes into overtime. They both score in the first play of overtime. It wouldn't be. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't be an Army Navy game either without it looking like this outside. Right? I know. God felt for that Navy running back. 34 fumbling on the one yard line. He was boy. He was beating himself up after that game. Felt awful for him. Great game. Absolute great. And then you see they um, maybe let go. Ken Niamatololo. Really? Have, have you say his name? He's been there forever, right? 15-year run. They've gone, I want to say it's like three wins, four wins, four wins. Each of the last yeah. three seasons there. you got to stick with the triple option, though. That's a must. <laughs> Let's get Niamatololo to West Lafayette. Find yourself somebody in life that loves you the way Kevin Bowen loves the triple option. Jake, I've always said this before. We need an NFL owner to hire a head coach that will institute the triple option, and we need an NBA owner that's going to hire a head coach that will press for 82 nights out of the year. Okay, and do you want to know my hot take with hockey? Let's hear it. And I think this might have been either fictionalized in a TV show or there might have been like some minor league teams that did it and kind of stole my thunder, but I still maintain that it's brilliant. Sumo wrestlers are big, huge, wide guys, right? But part of sumo wrestling is the the footwork of having to like go up and then like keep your balance while another guy, like you know, fat guy, bumps into you. Why would you not have a sumo wrestler? Clearly, they have some reactionary skill. Why has no hockey team ever thought about putting a sumo wrestler in as the goaltender? Now, I, I'm not one that watches hockey on a super routine basis, but aren't there many times during a game where the goaltender is going like behind the net to retrieve the puck and 
you know, set up something for yeah, a defenseman. Okay, so you lose that, but it's made up for by the fact that you've completely sealed the net off. Right? I mean, like... Did you not suggest this to the Fuel on Friday night? I, I, I should have. When you were there? I should have. I'm telling you, I don't know a lot about hockey, but I know that much. You just, you, you know, you've got the, the five areas where you can, I mean, you, you basically seal them all off, right? I mean, I will tell you this. I was at the Fuel game because I know a little something about 100% blockage, and I'm telling you, that's that would do it. Would they wear the diaper and goal? <laughs> yeah. And they'd come out and they'd do the like side-by-side thing, like getting all, all set. I'm telling you. Kids would love it. Yeah, actually, I actually think that's a pretty good idea. Yes. It's a sumo wrestler, but then see no goals because you just oh, put them God. in there. Now nah, nah, you just ruined it. No, I'm just telling you. You got to admit, it's not it's not a dumb idea. We're going to talk some Pacers. A little IU with Dustin Apirat coming up here in a few minutes. For now, morning check down. The morning check down brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Let's begin with college hoops. Uh, Indiana looked like a team that had never been to Vegas. Arizona looked like a team that belonged in Vegas. Uh, 89-75, the Wildcats jumped over the Hoosiers early in that one. IU made several runs, but just could not get over the hump. Again, no Jalen hood Shafino. Clearly, that is a big loss for Indiana right now. Uh, but they're out, they're, their bigs just got outplayed, particularly Chase Jackson Davis. Battled foul trouble when he was... On the floor, not assertive enough. The Arizona big dudes. Uh, I think Bala was the one guy's name, and Turbellis maybe was the other guy. He looked like Demonis Sabonis at times. Lefty, very effective for them. I was impressed by Arizona, Jake. They've reloaded nicely from losing Benedict Matherin and, and a couple other guys. Yeah, and they, and to your point, I mean, they're big inside. Uh, Indiana's issue, as we've talked about, not Indiana's a really good team, no doubt about it, but when you get a team that can put bigs... Trace Jackson Davis is a phenomenal talent, but when people wonder about his ability at the next level, that's what's going to hurt him because, you know, in the NBA, at his size, he's going to have to be able to face the basket and put the ball on the floor because you see what happens when he goes up against bigs down low at the next level. And Indiana's going to have to shoot the ball better from the outside on nights where he is limited. 22 for Fletcher Lawyer, Zach Eady, 11, 17, and 7 blocks. How about Zach Eady playing 43 of 45 minutes at Nebraska? That's a 7-4 dude on the floor for that long. <laughs> his, How about Zach Eady in gold? Doesn't he have his hockey days? Yeah, you're right. Well, they don't have skates that, he, that fit him anymore. That's why he had to quit playing. Wear Crocs. <laughs> No, there is no situation in life anywhere where Crocs are acceptable. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. 65-62, Purdue in overtime over Nebraska. Butler won at Cal, 8-3 in the non-conference for the Bulldogs. Uh, last night in the association, by the way, Pacers in action tonight taking on the Miami Heat. Victor Oladipo making his return, presumably first time playing as an opponent against the Pacers in the fieldhouse, I believe, if yep. I'm not mistaken there. 23 months. Uh, but last night, Joel Embiid, 53 points, 12 boards for Philadelphia as they defeated Charlotte. Also, L.A. defeated Detroit 124-117, but former Pacer Boyan Bogdanovich 38, along with Jaden Ivey's 18 for Detroit. Jimmy Butler also available for tonight. He did not play in the first matchup here. Remember, Tyler Hero missed that three at the buzzer. Uh, Trying to be a hero. That's what he was trying to do. Trying to be a hero. Took that three. No. (laughs) No. Oh, he already is one. 
In my opinion, that sucks. He's a hero by birth. Also of note tonight, Indiana and Syracuse for the College Cup. That's a men's soccer national championship. 74-73. Keith Smart from the corner. Indiana going for their ninth title men's soccer history. They're in the game in 2020. Lost that one. Their last title, 2012. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Pittsburgh 2-0 on Friday to get to the national championship. We'll see if Todd Yeagley and company can get it done. All right, Dustin DePerak joins us next. Talk a little Pacers, IU Hoops. The flags are crossed and unfurled for us because that means that we are halfway home of the race here. 8.30 now in Indianapolis, technically 8.33 speaking, and it's that time everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. On a Monday morning, good morning to you, Jake Quarry, along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, running the ship for us. Going to, again, be an overcast, but at least not freezing day, but uh, hopefully between now and the next 10 days, we'll see the sun at some point. What we will see tonight at Gabridge Fieldhouse is the heat. Miami Heat in for a 7 o'clock tip against the Pacers. That means that Victor Oladipo will be making presumably his first uh, logging his first minutes as an opponent uh, since leaving the Pacers. Here to talk about that and more on the Payless Sigurds Hotline is Dustin Dopierak of the Indianapolis Star. He is the new Pacers beat writer. Uh, Dustin, we'll begin with that. Do you anticipate tonight that we will be seeing some minutes out of Victor Oladipo? Yeah, I, mean, I would think so. Obviously, he's just getting into the swing of it. I mean, I think what's where you check my game like so. So he's played three games, uh, and what? Uh, so he played Monday or uh, Saturday night. You know, uh, what did he get here? Twenty-three minutes. I think you're obviously seeing the minutes go up a little bit, game by game, eighteen and a half to twenty fifty to twenty-three, twenty-two. You know, playing a little bit, bit better each game. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a scenario where he, you know, they're, they're going to try to rest him. Uh, I know he's going to talk at uh, at shoot around. I mean, they're, they're going to go in along eleven fifteen. So you know, he, he is going to meet with media, and I would be really surprised if he does that and does not play. Um, so he's going to be in the building, and you know, I, I think that that much we can say so far. That it, I mean, un- unless there has been something, you know, with his, you know, body that's taken a negative turn since then. Um, or, or if he, you know, for whatever reason gets to it and decides, you know, I don't want to do this, uh, you know, this, certainly that could change, I guess, but, but all accounts seems to be that, that he's heading towards playing basketball tonight. And obviously I think that's going to be an, an interesting scenario for everybody, just him being back on the floor and in somebody else's uniform. Dustin, it's kind of odd. I mean, no one has covered Oladipo longer than you. Uh, considering, in speaking, yeah. <laughs> considering your days on the IU beat and him coming out of DeMatha and I think class of 2010, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yep. down there. We're for, old, Kev. We're old. Yeah, we are, we are very, very old. And then here you are, and he's making his return some 23 months after being traded. Um, I don't know if you've got a great grasp on this, but I, I, I kind of expect the reaction to be relatively muted tonight. It, it just almost seems like... He's a reserve player, and I don't know, maybe the fact that he comes off the bench and the fact that he's got to enter the game will lead to more of a reaction versus in the starting lineup. But mm. it just seems like his regression as a as a player, and again, not all his fault, injury-related certainly, slash sure. the Pacers, are, they've kind of found the new boyfriend, and they really like the new boyfriend. I'm not respecting this like, 
I don't know, charge-filled environment inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse with him tonight? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably not. I wouldn't say charge-filled. I think it's going to be weird now. I mean, I don't... I obviously just saw how Sacramento reacted to Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald being back. Um, and, you know, it is, it is very, first off, it's very different for both guys. I mean, they cheered Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, gave him just big cheers and everything, everybody else. They booed Buddy Heald mercilessly, like every single time he got the basketball in his hands. And I think Buddy, as, as time wore on, started to really kind of enjoy it. And, you know, we asked him about it after. He was like, man, he's like, I don't give it, you know, yeah, give, give a blank. And mm-hmm. I, I go to sleep happy. I make a lot of money. <laughs> Buddy didn't care. Buddy's hilarious. Um, but, you know, I, I think obviously uh, fans can, you know, have different kind of reactions. And I think obviously, I think, I think muted is what it's going to end up being because I think you have very different, um, you know, and, and very conflicted views uh, on, on Vic. I mean, certainly I think that he was beloved going back to his days in Indiana. Um, you know, certainly had his, 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 certainly the best pieces of his playing career um, were prior to that, the, the quad injury. Um, and, you know, certainly I think people felt like, it did, but didn't feel great about, uh, you know, sort of his ending. He obviously has reason to not feel great about his ending, you know, feeling like the, you know, the surgery did, did not go right. And I'm sure there are people that he blames for that. Um, so it's, yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot of people going to view him differently. Certainly, people you know, view him as, as having quit on the franchise. Uh, I mean, I'm certain he's got opinions on that, but he's probably not going to share when he talks to us later. Um, so, you know, there. I, I think it'll end up being not much again. Like, as you said, it, it 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 has a new boyfriend and several new boyfriends. I mean, not just you know, um, you know not just Tyrese Halliburton, but Ben Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhart. I mean, there, there is obviously real reason to, to view um, the franchise is going in the right direction, and several pieces that you can look at and say. These are going to be core to whenever the Pacers are, are really good next, um, and, and it could happen. You know, this year they're obviously you know on a faster, uh, a better trajectory than I think a lot of people expected. Um, but you know, uh, Sacramento is on a much better track than everybody else expected, and they still you know found it in their hearts to boo the living daylights out of Buddy Heald. So you don't know what fans are going to do, uh, you know, or, or on what they're holding there. My expectation is that it's not going to be much, and Indiana will probably, you know, cheer him more than he is booed. I don't, I don't think that there is a, enough animosity to do with, you know, what Sacramento did to Buddy. Um, so, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people boo him tonight. Dustin, and ended the first time. The reality is that the reason that Victor Oladipo, when he first left here, um, you know that that people were so hurt by it was because this was a f- a franchise fan base that went from believing that Paul George was the next face of the franchise, and then he left, and they thought maybe Miles Turner was, and then you know he kind of water found its level, and then Victor Oladipo was the next face of it. So, question is: Is the next face of this franchise, you know, five years from now, is it Tyrese Halliburton or Benedict Matherin? It could be both, but I mean, I think you'd rather it be Tyrese, and, and, and I don't say that to say anything bad about Benedict Matherin because I think he's terrific. Um, but Tyrese is the whole package in a, in a lot of different ways, and, and Tyrese Matherin makes—I'm sorry, Tyrese Halliburton makes Benedict Matherin better. Um, you know, there, there is certainly just just more to what Tyrese is capable of, and and again, I think Benedict Matherin might be an All NBA guy. I mean, and I think he's going to be special, um, but Tyrese. There's there's more there. I mean, he he makes everybody else better and so much better. I mean, he you know like Miles Turner is having a career year and Miles Turner is having a career year because you know Tyrese Halliburton puts him in good spots, rewards him when he does the right thing. You know, rewards him for running. You know, for uh, 
uh, you know, for running down the floor in transition. He pushes everybody. He is pushing the pace like a madman. Um, and I mean, he's just an incredibly intelligent guy. I mean, like you, you, you could put him in front of media. He talks all day, you know, Benedict's, you know, kind of a quiet guy. Um, you know, doesn't say too much, just says, you know, basically just tells you the basics of what he's doing. I mean, the, again, he's a terrific player and, and, and I don't want to act like there's no depth to him. There's plenty. Um, but Halliburton is straight face of the franchise. There's, there's so much to that. So the, the, what Tyrese is going to be the guy, he is going to be the central figure in Indiana as long as he's there. Um, you know, if, if things go south and he ends up having to get moved um, in, you know, before they want to, uh, before either uh, guy wants to go, either the, either the Pacers or Tyrese want to go a separate ways, that means something, something's gone wrong. Um, but like Halliburton is just a guy in so many, it's, it, you know, again, you, you talk to the guy and he's like, one, he's just a breath of fresh air and, you know, talks like he has been in the league for 10 years when he's been in the league for three, um, you know, just an, an amazing dude. Um, so I would say it's, it's Tyrese, but I mean, you want to have both guys and you want to have them as long as they can, because Benedict Mathener is going to be really, really, really good. Again, Dustin Aparak is with us. You remember him from his days on the IU beat. He slid over <clears throat> to cover the Pacers, the Indianapolis star. He's with us here on the Pale Slickers Hotline. Dustin, it's not something Jake and I have talked about really at all <clears throat> here on this Monday, um, but it was a huge storyline Saturday, and honestly, it might show up again Wednesday. And that is the Pacers on the receiving end of stars resting here in Indianapolis. Uh, the Nets sat, I believe it was their top seven, maybe top eight, on Saturday night, obviously... They've got eight guys in their top seven scores. Okay, that was yeah. it. Um, certainly not something you typically see. You look ahead to Wednesday, and I know there are hundreds and hundreds of people, largely probably fathers with their sons, that are planning to be in that building to watch Steph Curry. Well, Tuesday night, the Warriors play the Bucks. That's national TV. Uh, the NBA wants Steph Curry to play that game. And if you look at the back-to-back history with Golden State this season, Steph Curry's not sat out many of them, but he's kind of followed this pattern of sitting out every other. That could be Wednesday night with Indiana. I don't have a great answer for you, so I apologize for asking the question, but what can the NBA do, if anything, about the resting debate that you have, inevitably with people that paid money to watch Kevin Durant on Saturday, and that will pay for Steph Curry on Wednesday, and it's not a guarantee he plays. I mean, the answer is nothing. I mean, I think, uh, you know, he, uh, Jock Vaughn was asked, you know, that question, you know, Nick Fidel, who's there, you know, uh, the ESPN's guy on the Nets beat, you know, asked him, like, hey, what do you say to the person who bought this ticket? And, you know, I mean, I, I think Vaughn gave, gave a really long, detailed answer and said, you know, like, I promise you Kevin wants to win every game, and we want to win a lot of games, but, you know, like, this is what's best for uh, our team going forward. And, and it's just, I mean, and I didn't know this until, you know, it was brought up because it was such a big story, but Durant was leading, leading the NBA in minutes. Right. You know, and that's First game missed all year. Yeah, first game he's missed all year. He's how old? And, you know, he, he's, he's what, two years off or three years off, I guess, uh, of, you know, uh, knock your socks off Achilles tear. Um, so, you know, like, and, you know, Steph Curry, obviously, I mean, he's 34. You know, like, I mean, we, we, we think of some of these guys as immortal. It's like they don't have any, you know. But, like, I mean, they're playing every other night, and they're playing back-to-backs, and they're going to be playing the best team in the NBA this year. Uh, you know, I, I, one or two, either them or Boston, uh, and against, you know, the guy that I think is pr- currently operating as the best player in the world, to be honest, um, in Milwaukee on, on Tuesday. So it's like, okay, how, how, like, how do you tell, you know, Steve Curry, like, you know, you shouldn't give Steph Curry rest, 
you know, that that's an insane idea but because people paid money. Because the thing about it is, like, these aren't humans. And we're asking a lot from NBA players in particular. It is a heavy, heavy workload. Um, and it's awful for if, 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 if you bought a ticket because I mean, they only come to your town once a year, especially if they're a Western Conference team. You know, Eastern Conference, at least you get two, two opportunities. You know, if you missed, uh, you know, Kevin on, um, on Saturday night, you saw him before. I mean, he came to, what, he dropped 36, I think, in the previous game. Um, but it's like if they're a Western Conference team, it's like then these guys only come once a year. And like you said, it's Indiana, so no one's pushing. Um, you know, no one on a national level is saying, like, you got to, you know, play your guys in this game because it's going to be on TNT it's not um and so you know like there's there's not much that that can be said or done about it i mean i think there's there's limits to how many guys you can you can take out of, of a game uh if they're healthy um you know you're allowed to do it so much on the on the road or whatever but you know th- th- these guys do need to rest you know and you're gonna ask them to play 82 and then um you know go all out for you know a, a preseason you know a postseason that can be you know 18 20 games if you go far enough i mean you're it, it is asking a lot for these guys to stay at that level uh, for a whole year, they, they are they are medical, you know, marvels. Basically, what what these guys are capable of doing night after night after night. So, I mean, at some point, there's going to require um, you know some level of rest, and it's it so happens that it always seems to come at, at the uh, you know uh, at, at, you know sacrifice of Pacers fans, and you know that's really unfortunate, really not fair. And, and yeah, I mean, like you're going to you know a whole bunch of Indiana fans are going to want to see this guy. I mean, I want to see him. You know, I mean, I, I got to see him in Golden State. Um, you know, and he had a terrible night. He was three for 17 because Andrew and Nemhart just, you know, gave him fits. Um, but, you know, all, all the same, like, you got to acknowledge, I, I, I hate talking about these guys like they're entities. They are people. They are humans. And, you know, they have human bodies that break down. I mean, I think, you know, just getting ready to throw a depot. I mean, I listened listen to Vic talk about, um, you know, just listen to his old man in three podcast from October. Um, and just heard everything that he went through physically on his injury, and, and he realized that, like, you know, a- any one of those guys is one slip up away from something like that happening. Um, and so, like, there's, it, it is unfortunate when you're talking about paying customers, but you got to realize, like, these aren't circus animals. These are, these are, you know, human beings with bodies that we're asking a lot from. So, you know, there's only so much that you can do fairly and say, you know, I demand that you show up every single one of these Here's games. Here's a good point, up. Dustin, somebody makes, you know? and I know that it's mm-hmm. impossible to legislate this probably but this is a good point somebody makes it, it's fine if players want to do load management but should only be for home games because home fans get 41 chances to see their stars that's fair but i mean you know again, i get it i mean yeah it sounds like a scheduling nightmare yeah we don't know the i mean uh, matt, I get it. matt throws out nba should only schedule back-to-backs when at home never back-to-back road games only rest yeah. home games to your point. Well, I, I don't, Jake. Do you have a good answer? I I, I don't have a great no. answer. And I, I don't. And, no, and, I mean, I mean, for for instance, like you know, they, they you know one, one thing that, that they just did. I mean, obviously on the road trip, uh, you know, they they did back to back in L.A. and it's like okay, well, that's that's great scheduling wise if you think about it. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, like they they got to be in L.A. for three days, didn't have to leave. You know, they're, they're you know, playing in the same arena, didn't have to leave their hotel. Um, and it's like, okay, like, would, would you have wanted to push that over out over four days? I know Gannett wouldn't like that because we had like four days worth of hotels uh, in four days in Los Angeles. And so it's like there's there's value to some of these of, of getting them in and getting them out quickly. I mean, it, it's just, it's not easy to, to spread 82 out over uh, the time that you're playing. And so it's, I think, Dustin, the other thing. be a bad break on this. The other thing that comes into play it. that we didn't have, I know a lot of people are like, they didn't used to do this in my day. And I get that. And I know that now we mm-hmm. have better nutrition. We have better fitness. We have all of that. But you yeah. also didn't have 
you know, Julius Irving and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird weren't playing AAU basketball by the age of 14 where they were playing basketball 290 mm-hmm. days a year between the ages of 15 between and then even getting in the NBA. So by the time, even sure. though players are coming in younger, man, the mileage on the tires is a hell of a lot more than it was and ever has been before. To your point, but I understand why yeah. people. That's a good point. You know, people that make forty-five grand a year that are paying good money at a job where they work fifty hours a week can't understand. And I totally get the fact that they're not going to listen to the excuse that a guy making eighteen million a year needs a night off. I, 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 I totally, totally get it. Last question for you, Dustin. Um, mm. If you had to, with this Pacers team, other than simply age and wisdom. What's missing for them? If you're Kevin Pritchard, got a pretty good roster, got some new guys in there, got a lot of youth, what's the position or the area of need that you still have to address? Size. Size. I mean, they're, you know, like you've got three guys that you can play the five, but you only have one that you trust there. Um, and that's Turner. And so, you know, you're not getting much out of Goga at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think Isaiah Jackson does a lot of things well um, as, as sort of an athletic type big. But, you know, when, when you put, when they get big bodies coming off the bench, when other teams get big bodies off the bench, they, or the Pacers get pushed around in there. Uh, you know, especially when, when, when it's a true second unit battle, um, you know, and all of their starters are off the floor. Uh, you know, the Pacers lose, you know, in the middle to better, to, to bigger guys. You know, Walker Kessler looked like an absolute all-star uh in utah you know, 20 and 10 didn't miss didn't miss a shot and, and like they had no answer for that kind of size so so they need they need a legit backup five they need somebody of, of you know not, i don't want to say wider body but they they need a guy with some muscle um I, I think that's kind of the important thing is i mean that's a big part of the reason why they get pushed around you know on the glass I mean, turner's a pretty good rebounder he's not a, he's not a good as good of a rebounder as a shot blocker they they have obviously the athleticism to, to protect the rim between uh, between Turner and between Smith and, and Jackson, I, mean, I think they're they're top three, top five in the league in block shots. But they are, I think, twenty seventh in the defensive rebound percentage. I mean, they can get uh, you know beat on on the offense. You know, they can give up some offensive uh, offensive rebounds. And they gave it up just an absolute ton uh, again on on Saturday. Again, Brooklyn had a bunch of guys that wanted it more because they were not trying to be. You know, the, the guys that were actually out on the floor were like, "Oh, you think we can't do anything without Kevin?" Well, yes, we can. Um, and so, you know, they were really, really motivated. That's part of it. But I mean, part of it is also Daron Sharp's 265, you know, like, you know, uh, Turner's 250. And after that, I mean, like, I think Smith are like 250, is listed at like 215. Um, and Jackson's at like 205, and I think they're, they're both heavier than that, uh, but not by a lot. And so they can get muscled around and thrown around by bigger dudes, and Daron Sharp and Marquise Morris are bigger dudes. And so, so some of what happened on Saturday night was effort, but some of it was like those guys are grown men. Marquise Morris looked like, I mean, he, like, you know, he was the old guy that showed up to play high school kids at the YMCA. I mean, that, that's, that's how he looked from a physical standpoint. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it was, it was wild. Like, look, he really did, especially with the headband, it, it added to, the, I think, the entire look. <laughs> Um, but you know, that, that's, if, if they're going to really, really compete, um, and, and obviously there's big questions about, you know, should you, because, you know, can you, you know, keep miles throughout this year and let him walk, uh, or, you know, try to resign him, you know, so there's, there's big sort of long-term roster, uh, implications there. But if you had to make this team really good and that was your goal and that was all that you had to think about, the most important thing you need to do is just add size, you know, and, and add a, you know, a, a, and it might have to be someone who can't run with Tyrese. 
um, you know, but, but at least somebody that can add just a little bit more muscle in there to, to throw guys around because I mean, you saw what Zubac did to them. I mean, like they, they, they can get really beat up by really big guys. 29 offensive rebounds, just an astronomical number from yeah. Saturday night. Uh, followers of the Pacers, fans of the Pacers, it's great news. Dustin Apirak on the beat. Dustin, you've done a great job. I'm sure it's been a bit chaotic, and uh, hopefully we can have you on a little bit more during the season. Yeah, but thank you so much. I hope, you, I hope everybody's enjoying it because I am you know, flying by the seat of my pants, so hopefully it's, it's readable. Doing a hell of a job, man. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Dustin Apirak right there on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Jake, we're going to have Rick Carlisle tomorrow. Looks like we will have Rick Carlisle, yeah, tentatively right now, set for 8 o'clock. I guess, um, obviously fluid, but uh, as of right now, it looks like 8 a.m. tomorrow. Again, this Pacers four-game homestand, the Heat tonight, Victor Oladipo's return, and then Golden State on Wednesday, as I said to Dustin. Uh, I don't think it's a guarantee Steph Curry plays, unfortunately, with how the schedule looks based off Milwaukee for Golden State tomorrow night, and that is a nationally televised game. All right, we'll get back into a little football Colts conversation here. Coming up next. Been a good Monday morning show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So far, despite the fact that it's a little overcast, but I'm starting to see a slight glimmer of the sun, which is good. Because I love, 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 love the city of Seattle, but I don't necessarily want to replicate their weather between November and March. Um... Jake Query here along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton as well. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5107.5. The fan, if you're just joining us, uh, where have you been? Dustin Delpirac just joined us from the Indianapolis Star, the Pacers beat writer, and then Joel A. Erickson to talk about the Colts earlier in the program. Those will both be available via podcast later in the day. Kevin, question for you as I'm overlooking or looking over, I guess I should say, the NFL from yesterday. Um Tell me what you know about Leslie Frazier. Yeah, Bill's defensive coordinator. Um, spent some time in Indy, just a couple seasons on the Tony Dungy staff. I think the assistant head coach for the Super Bowl team, if I'm not mis- if I'm not um, mistaken, heavy on the defensive side of the ball. Um, was a coach in Minnesota. Didn't have great success at all with the Vikings. Uh, probably about a decade ago. But he was a name that, and I posted something on our website, 1075thefan.com, kind of a Colts coaching candidate list, and there are some far-fetched names on there, but Frazier's a name that has plenty of connections to the operation here in Indy. Um, For one, again, the Tony Dungy connection, uh, two seasons here in Indy, and and a high-ranking member of the coaching staff during that time. So whether Jim Irsay would have that connection or Jeff Saturday would have that connection. Um, Jeff, of course, was a player during those years. And then, Jake, let's not forget, in 2018, when Josh McDaniels left at the altar, you went and interviewed three candidates after the McDaniels backing out. The three candidates, 
obviously Frank Reich, one Dan Campbell, and then the third one was Leslie Frazier. So I think if and when this process, well, it will play out. The Colts are going to have to have a full head coaching uh, process. It would not surprise me at all if Leslie Frazier got an interview and was a serious candidate. Yeah, I've heard his name kind of casually heard, but I've heard his name as one that they're kind of circling back to that. You know what I mean? His temperament reminds me of Dungy and reminds me of Frank Reich a bit. Is that too similar from what you just had? That's fair. You mean just in terms of that? Yeah, I think you typically see... Quiet grace, as it's called. Yeah, and again, I don't want to act like that is a non-starter, but Jake, I think you typically see in hirings of these positions, you typically see the new hire be a 180 in personality from the previous hire. Will the Colts fall suit in that, or will they not? Again, you know Ursay wants to tap into that previous era. So I, I I do think he would be a realistic candidate. And if Ballard is still involved, if Saturday is still involved, they obviously have connections just, with Leslie Frazier. There's another defensive name that I like a little bit more, Jake, and that would be what you're seeing happen in San Francisco and D'Amico Ryan's leading that unit. Young, defensive mind, took himself out of the Vikings, head coaching search last year uh, because he felt like the 49ers were in a position to make a run. And again, they're on the doorstep of playing for the Super Bowl. Um, But if you're going to go that side of the ball, I'd probably want to take a shot there. You know, I keep going back to, and I know that we're, at this point, I'm probably like a broken record, right? But, like when we talk about Jeff Saturday, if Jeff Saturday is with the organization, Kevin, but is not the head coach next year, is there room? And I'm not saying there's not. Is there room in the organization for Jeff Saturday and Chris Ballard? It's a great question. A lot of cooks and I think a lot of ego. Co-GMs? I, I don't know at this point. It's I frightening to think about <laughs> I want to make very clear here. Well, you know, the, the the Pacers, though, if you look at, I mean, different sport, I realize. You know, but there was a period there where you had Larry Bird as like a consultant, Kevin Pritchard as the president, and Chad Buchanan as the GM. You know, I mean, do you do, you do something like that with a and Saturday and Ballard combo? That didn't go great, to be fair. Yeah, you're right. It's not like the Pacers were building championship teams with the with that trio but my i want to make very clear here this is absolutely nothing more than me so pin it where it is i mean this is jake query on the radio thinking aloud this is not because i want to make clear this is not after having talked to anybody or or any sort of report in any way shape or form feel free to pull over people but that's right but no i want to make sure that people don't misconstrue this as like something i heard but does chris ballard want to be here jake was one of the first things i thought about walking out of that building now what over a month ago on that monday night if i were chris ballard and i believed in my resume this situation would be very awkward for me and I would think long and hard about uh, believing in myself, thinking that I could get another opportunity elsewhere. You don't see a lot of retread GMs. So 
there'd be some pause for that. Obviously, he's under contract through 2026. But if my voice has been muted or lessened in any way, which I think it has been, especially if Jeff Saturday is going to be here for 2023 and beyond, that would be concerning to me. Yeah, I mean, the body language says a lot, man. And I've, I have said before, and I'll say it again, um, I, I think I mentioned it too. I think it was Bob Kravitz when he was on that I don't know that it would be a bad idea for Chris Ballard in particular. And when I said to go through media training, I didn't mean in terms of his relationship to the media. He's fine. I mean, I you know, I, he's he's been fine. Like, he, he holds his State of the Union address, and, and I don't know that he's as available as other GMs that we've had, but that's not always a bad thing. I just mean, when I say media training, I just mean in terms of the what he exudes in his body language and his demeanor at times to convey to fans. I, I think that, that Ballard in particular in that press conference you're talking about, Kevin, exuded a body language and a demeanor that was not comforting to fans because to fans it's like, wait a minute, like the guy in charge here looks like really PO'd. So why should I feel comfortable about the direction of my franchise that I support? You know what yeah. I mean? And I think he is a guy, <clears throat> having sat very close to him in press boxes at football games, he wears his emotions, uh, his emotions on his sleeve. Um, I mean, I think back to the body language he had in the Andrew Luck press conference, which, I mean, to be fair, I don't really blame him for that one. Um, but it, again, it'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Um, we'll get more into maybe tomorrow some storylines the Colts have here with these final four games. Do you think it seemed like Joel Erickson was kind of? I think they'll stick with Matt Ryan. Where are you at? And, and would you rather see Foles or Ellinger if they were to make a switch? Okay. Jeff Saturday will meet the media a little bit later today, so we'll see if we get any word on that. I probably would rather see Ellinger for the obvious reasons, which is to get a further look as to what you have, right? You know that Nick Foles is not somebody that's going to be in your franchise in three years. Sam Ellinger could be. Obviously, as a backup, one would assume. I don't think that anybody, if you are getting ready to take the possibility of a top five pick, I don't think anybody is under the expectation that Sam Ellinger is your quarterback moving forward. But the Colts... Part of what I think where the Colts are where they are now in this mode of uncertainty is because they were too uncertain and scatterbrained over the course of the season. The knee jerk or or jerk of the wheel to go to Sam Ellinger that that quite frankly the Colts could be in position right now to because of the division, not because of the Colts. The division is so bad that if the Colts had played it right, they might have been in the possibility of striking distance of a playoff berth. But they're realistically not. I mean, mathematically they still are, but they're not because they decided to make seismic changes midway through the year instead of staying the course. And that's, I'm not saying that was the wrong call. But then they jerk the wheel back into the lane and go back to Matt Ryan, and it's like, what are we doing here? Um, I guess you go with Ellinger just because I am, and Kevin, it comes down to this. Are the Colts thinking about the 2022 Colts or are the Colts thinking about the 2024 and 2025 Colts? No decision Ursay's made this year has been about 2023. Yeah. 
he thought Ellinger was the better move in the short term back when they went with him in early October. So and it, and it probably and that that decision probably if Jim Mersey was thinking that his team could be a playoff team this year, Jim Mersey's decision to yank the starting quarterback out and take a look at a quarterback out of clear left field absolutely cost his team that possibility. That is one hundred percent on the owner. I just don't know if that's changed with Ursay though, Jake. I mean, doesn't he want Saturday to succeed? And if that's the case, does a healthy Nick Foles in the short short term give you the best option? Because again, I don't. I said it last week. Matt Ryan needs to be benched. I don't think he's healthy. Um, that's the move I would go. Um, I, I I am with you. I'd go Ellinger because again, I always like to have that one eye towards the future. But if Jeff Saturday and Jim Ursay are still in this kind of cahoots situation of we want this to work out. We want your record to look good at the end of the year. All of this wouldn't Foles be the answer there? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, like Foles has got to be better than Matt Ryan right uh, now, right? I, is he, or is that a lateral movement? I just think Ryan looks like a shell. I got worried there for a second. Um. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Mark, Mark, did you have your finger on the button there for a second? I thought about it, yeah. <laughs> no, Ryan does. You're right. That'd be quite the move by me on Monday at 9-12. Do you want to know one thing I thought about on the way in this morning that has nothing to do with this conversation but is somewhat peripherally related, peripherally related to the Colts? I can't even say peripherally. Yeah, it's a really tough word for me. I I don't even know why I thought of this. I have no idea, and my apologies for this quite frankly, out of left field, completely bizarre thought. It's the one that I shared with you, Mark, before we came in this morning. I just decided to roll with it. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. I already don't remember what you're talking about. That Well, it's I know it's Monday. In 1994, when O.J. Simpson wow. had the Bronco chase, right? I think it's difficult for people. He did a 30 for 30 on that day, right? There Correct. was like three other pretty it's one of the best 30 for 30s. Big day. The New York Rangers events. Stanley Cup final parade. Ken Griffey Jr. hit his 30th home run in June. Arnold Palmer was in his last senior open, the World Cup grand op- or opening ceremonies and the Bronco Chase. A lot of people understand what so and I and I'm saying this just to kind of give a perspective. And people of my age, I'm curious if they'll agree with me. And people, and, and if so, I think it could be like not enlightening. I don't want to sound condescending, but for people of your age, Kevin. The thing that made the O.J. Simpson Bronco chase and that entire saga with O.J. Simpson and his trial so incredibly captivating to the United States, aside from the obvious, which was, I mean, there was a racial element to it for certain. I get that. But people have often asked me, but why was OJ such a big deal? And I'm like, well, he was a Hall of Fame football player that was a Heisman Trophy winner at USC. Well, okay, sure, great. But like, why did people, that was in 19, you know, he won the Heisman in 1960, what, eight or 68 or 69. Like, why did people care about that? 67? Uh, Anyway. You know, why did a guy that ran for 2,000 yards in 1973, 74, why did people care about that in 1994? And it's a very good question to try to quantify for people what O.J. Simpson meant within the cultural landscape of the United States in 1994, some 20 years after the peak of his playing days, maybe more like 15 years after the peak of his playing days. And then it dawned on me. 
O.J. Simpson was in 1992 or three, 91 in that era, in the early 90s, O.J. Simpson was a pop cultural phenomenon in terms of being ubiquitous within pop culture and popularity of the gregarious, self-deprecating, naked gun movies, he was self-deprecating. He, he was on television broadcast doing Cylon reporting, analyzing games, and was often like kind of the butt of jokes in those that he was in on. He was an actor in the Naked Gun movies where he, he was self-deprecating, and his exploits as an athlete were very commercialized more than any other athlete through Hertz commercials and other such things for orange juice and et cetera, et cetera. O.J. Simpson from the off-field continuance of brand standpoint in 1994 was the exact same age basically removed from football but maintaining it for the reasons i just said as peyton manning today 100 percent. peyton manning is the closest that i have that i have seen to somebody that you can use to illustrate for people what oj simpson was in the early 90s because peyton manning sure Kevin, there's a whole generation of teenage kids now that they know Peyton Manning from the Manning cast and the commercials and Saturday Night Live versus having any recollection of having seen him play football. I, I was going to go um, Michael Strahan. That's also a good one, except for that Manning is far more recognized. Than, sure. Would you agree? Than, and Manning I, I just think a, Strahan is in more... Like, my mom is not watching the Manning cast. My mom is watching morning television. Very true, but your mom also probably didn't remember necessarily Michael Strahan as a football yeah. player, but she does Peyton Manning. Like, O.J. Simpson was a foot... Like, O.J. Simpson was undoubtedly, at the time that he played, the most captivating appointment-viewing football player in the league, as was Peyton Manning. Strahan was a great player, but nobody's, like, turning it on to see if he breaks the sack record. You know what I mean? Strahan's a good call, but... Like the personality of of Peyton Manning is just so endearing, right? I mean, like he's, you know, and then you also hear the whispers, right? Of like, well, you know, Manning's a party animal. It's like, yeah, but he's a, he's a fun dude, man. Like he's fun. That, and I mean, OJ Simpson, that's kind of what he was, right? That's a totally random Jake Quarry brain dropping for you. Some um, pretty disturbing news, if true, out of Austin, Texas. This is the ABC News affiliate. Down there, University of Texas head men's basketball coach Chris Beard arrested and charged with assault on a family member early Monday. Austin police confirm. Um, so we'll keep you updated on assault that front. Assault on a family member? But if those allegations are true, uh, beyond disturbing to say the least there with Chris Boy. Beard. Yeah. I mean, that's not a good headline. By any means. And then the other rough headline about coaches that we touched on earlier, Kevin, um, is that of Mike Leach, who apparently had pneumonia, suffered pneumonia, and was not feeling well, but did return to the Mississippi State team, ran their practice on Saturday that they are in a bowl game, and then had a medical incident at home on Saturday evening. I think, do we know what that is, or did we read somewhere that it was heart-related, or do we not know? I think that was like the early guess, but by no means have I seen that confirmed. But it sounds like things are... Mike Leach is... He's struggling. I, I don't think there's any way around it. It seems like the outcry for support, especially, Jake, when you see it like kind of in the coaching 
fraternity, I you know, they would seem to have, you know, I don't know, a little bit more intel on this. Um, so, yeah, just awful news out of Starkville with Mike Leach. Mike Leach, again, I mean, aside from being, from a football standpoint, an offensive innovator, uh, especially, I mean, look at some of the guy. you know, the numbers that some of his quarterbacks were able to turn in at Texas Tech in particular were just staggering, right? Like he he was an offensive genius, no, or, or is, I should say, no question about it. Well, um, someone pointed out the Heisman candidates. If you look at Lincoln Riley, you look at Sonny Dykes, so winner, runner-up, even Hendon Hooker, Josh Heupel. All of them are Mike Leach disciples. Really? Yeah, and I think if you even go way down the list to like Drake May, North Carolina, their offensive uh, mind comes from the Mike Leach tree. A little bit more on this Chris Beard front. Unfortunately, it's not good news at all. Um, Head coach Chris Beard has been arrested. This is from Dana O'Neill, longtime college basketball reporter, arrested for third-degree felony assault on a family member impeding breath circulation. Yeah, that's uh, that is beyond not good. I mean, you can you know we'll have to wait to find out what the facts of that story are for sure. But I, you know, Chris Beard is one that I thought, and, and maybe I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I have no idea a thing about Chris Beard Beard as a guy. But he was one that when he was at Texas Tech, I thought was an absolute like I couldn't understand why Indiana didn't pursue him. Because of the the way he co- you know his his connection to Bob Knight, the way he coached, I thought, man, this guy would be a slam dunk hired Indiana. Now, obviously, Indiana did just fine with Mike Woodson, but um, you know, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, were there things in his past? I have no idea. Yeah, I do not know that, but um, man, certainly coaches with a fiery demeanor. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm unfair of me to say that, but. Um, yeah, you thought Chris Beard at Texas was... I mean, you said third-degree felony assault? Yeah, again, that from Dana O'Neill. Yeah, I mean, that's different than, you know, you got upset with your 15-year-old son and pushed him, and he, you know... I mean, that's... I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just saying yeah. that's... that's yeah, it's an awful, different. awful accusation. So, again, we'll see how all of that plays out. Uh, Mark, our pop quiz this, is it all week long we're giving away Ball State tickets? I believe so, yes. Ball State Georgia Southern, so a chance to go watch Michael Lewis and company. That is a week from Wednesday up there in Muncie. Um, so it be a fun thing to do before the holiday season gets underway. Head up there and watch Michael Lewis's boys who I think are having a, a nice start of the year. I think like 6-4, and 7-4, something like that. I'm telling you, that's a fabulous arena. Is Indiana State still off to that good start? Um... Indiana State is. What they seven and one at one point. Oh, IUPY's got Spalding today. That's one of the ones that IUPY really needs. <laughs> Spalding. That, that, now is that the the basketball manufacturer? That's who they beat last year. Spalding correct, yeah. is in the same league as Voigt, I believe. They're in. They're that's their rival. They're big rivals with Voigt Wilson, uh, also in that same conference, and Russell. That, that's a four team conference. Got it. Yeah. They get an automatic bid to the tournament. <laughs> They do. Believe me, when it, when it comes to a tournament, you need plenty of Spalding. If you don't have Spalding, you got a problem, right? IEPUI's one win on the year, Jake, is over which Indiana college? Uh, IEPUI's one win of the year is over, and I'm going to go a couple guesses here, Indiana Wesleyan. No. Uh, uh, Trine. No. Uh, other part of the state. Uh, we'll go with Oakland. Is Oakland in, in Indiana? 
there's an Oakland. Uh, Larry Bird took like classes there. It's in oh, Du Bois County or something. I don't um, know the team. Is that, is that wrong? Franklin. Really? Okay. But they've got Spalding today at 11 a.m. at the Farmers Coliseum. I if think you're Franklin's looking for also in that same league. Uh, by the way, Indiana State is nine and two. They lost to Southern Indiana. Stan Gerard. Oh yeah, that's right. You, you, you mentioned that earlier. USI is four zero at home. Uh, 88-85 yesterday. Southern Indiana. Southern Indiana over Indiana State. As a matter of fact, that perfectly segues into a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. Uh, Marquette, the other game of local college basketball interest statewide yesterday, 79-64 over Notre Dame. Yeah, just awful. Awful. Can't guard anybody. Just awful rotation. No big guy to throw it into. We stink. Do you need to buy a new TV? Did you punch it? I told Maddie before the game, this is a must win. The resume is awful. Did you watch the game? Oh, yeah, I watched it all. Of course he did. What do you mean? Do you wear your, he watched the do you game. Wear your little what do you mean, Jake? You think I went on a walk around the neighborhood of the kids? Do you wear You're your little a huge so nerd. What the hell was that, Mark? You are a huge nerd. <laughs> that. Okay. Man, just cheer for Notre Dame basketball and do it in peace. Nerd! Speaking of college basketball, uh, you had Purdue survive one in Lincoln on Saturday. Matt Painter's bunch did not shoot it well from... Three did not shoot it well from the foul line. They got it done though. Fletcher Lawyer, big Zach Eady played forty three of forty five minutes, eleven points, seventeen rebounds, and seven blocks. As is always the case in the Big Ten, uh, you will take the win away from home and run home. Here is Matt Painter on getting their first Big Ten road win of the year. So it's just one of those games where you, you know you have it at a good point, and you know they have a scheme and what they're going to do, and. I thought they did a really good job with it, and I thought we did a really good job with it. We just didn't make open shots, and the guys that we had shooting the basketball, you know, are guys that can that can make more than they do. But that's you know life on the road. It's part of it. Can you can you find a way to win a game when you don't shoot the ball well? And we were able to do that. But Nebraska deserved to win the game just as much as we did. I, I thought they were really good. It's a good win for Purdue, actually, to go on the road like that. Uh, Purdue. Well, you lost of, your first Big Ten road game last year, Jake. Remember at at Rutgers. So Purdue, one of seven unbeaten's. Is that right? Is it that? Are we down to that amount? Uh, Mississippi State is unbeaten. You know, Houston obviously lost. Um, Purdue, Connecticut, Virginia still undefeated. Virginia still undefeated. There's there's somebody else I'm missing. Auburn, uh, maybe Auburn. One team that's definitely not undefeated, Indiana. They lose 89-75 to Arizona out in Vegas on Saturday night. Jake, I was disappointed. I thought IU being a little bit more of the veteran team in that matchup uh, was hoping that they would certainly look locked in early. They did not. Every time they made a run at Arizona from then on, Arizona answered that. And in particular, I thought you got outplayed down low. It's rare for a Big Ten team to play a Pac-12 team and the Pac-12 team to bully the Big Ten team. Yeah, But that's, that's what fair. happened. You know, I, I think Indiana's got to shoot the ball better on nights when Trace Jackson Davis is negated. And to be fair to Trace Jackson Davis, there are nights he's going to be negated, right? Um, not having Jalen Hood Shafino, I, I think, hurts Indiana a lot, by the way. Just puts so much pressure on Xavier Johnson to stay on the floor and stay steady, and those two things, bit of an issue. Uh, Pacers back in action tonight. They've got the Heat. Victor Oladipo could be his first game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse since he was traded in January of 2021. Victor has played, coming off the bench for Miami, each of the last three games. 
Um, no back-to-back, so there is definitely a possibility that he will be in this matchup. Uh, Jimmy Butler also should be on the floor. He did not play in the first meeting here in Indianapolis. I'm not saying that he's trash. Like, I, I mean that. And that was Jimmy Butler on TJ Warren, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yep. Mark. Jimmy Butler has new hair. Have you seen that? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No. Now, TJ Warren's like back Brian playing, Grant. right? Oh, Brian Grant? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. TJ Warren is playing. But he was not. He was a part of the group that sat out Saturday night when you were in the building? Yeah, correct. That was a... That's a bad loss, right? I mean, it it's, it's got to be a bad loss. It is. I mean, the Nets... Look, Patty Mills has been around a long time, but when Patty Mills is making plays to beat you late in the game, you got to. Well, you just got out hustled too. They gave did. up a million offensive rebounds uh, on that front. So yeah, the Pacers fourteen and thirteen on the season. Jimmy Butler looks more like Ziggy Marley than Brian Grant, I'd say. Well, he's just—I mean—he's got real long hair now, right? Yeah, and like I think it happened like overnight, right? He showed up to like heat training camp like that, and everybody's like, "Who is this?" Like, "Oh, that's Jimmy Butler." Oh my oh, god! He do PAI or him and John? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't know. He and Rick DeMolin got to right. buy one get one. That's right. Yep. That's exactly uh, what, what stood out to you guys NFL wise from the weekend? Brock Purdy and the 49ers. They that's continue impressive. to impress. The Lions have now won five of six, and we have our first NFL playoff berth clinched. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what jumped out at me? A couple of things. Number one. Detroit's starting to put it together a little bit, and maybe that says more about Minnesota sliding as the Vikings drop, and that's, of course, the Colts' next opponent. Uh, I thought last night Justin Herbert, you know, he set the record for, what, most passing yards in three years, first three years in the NFL, and showed he's dynamic. I can't figure out why the Chargers are 7-6 and six because I think he's really, really good. Um, and then there was one other game that jumped. Oh, and Tom Brady's done, right? I mean, it's over, right? Man, they have struggled to score points as of late. It's, hey, it's you know what wild. they're saying in Tampa Bay this morning? God bless the NFC South. They're still leading the division. That's unbelievable. They're going to host a playoff game. <laughs> How about Carolina? Interim coach Steve Wilkes. They went out. They'll host a playoff game. And the 49ers, I mean, Debo Samuel goes down, and it's just like that team has been ravaged by injuries, but they just keep finding ways to win. It's just remarkable. With four weeks to go, this is what the playoff picture looks like in each conference. The Bills are the one seed. Your matchups would be Chiefs-Chargers, Ravens-Dolphins, Titans-Bengals. Sign me up for all those. NFC, the Eagles are the one seed. Your matchups would be Vikings-Giants, 49ers-Commanders, Bucks-Cowboys. Yikes. (laughs) Give me the AFC slate. Bengals are playing well, man. Come Bengals. on, you would be all over Bucks Cowboys to Come watch on. that. Bengals are hitting their stride. What, what team do you think America would want to lose more? The Bucks or the Cowboys? Cowboys. Ooh, I think not in this market. Disagree. Not I, in this market, but I think overall, I think America's tired of Tom Brady. They're like, okay, and he's just weird. Jake hates out. Tom Brady. I don't. I don't hate him, but you hate how he looks. Yeah, something's going on there, man. I don't know if it's plastic surgery or hair plugs or I mean he I don't know, man. I told you he looks like those kids from that Icelandic cartoon. I know, we already went over that. <laughs> we we don't need to double back. And then I on think that. actually once you saw it, you're like, Yeah, I kinda I kinda see what you're saying. All I know is the Vikings will be bounced in the first round. You think so? I guarantee it. You think the Vikings will lose to the Giants in that mm-hmm. matchup, Mark? Yep. Shout out to Marlon Mack, 66-yard touchdown yesterday. Awesome to see him still playing after such a devastating injury here in Indy. All right, it's pop quiz time. Again, we're giving away, is it a pair of tickets? 
I believe it's a pair. I'm trying to get clarification, but I believe you're at least getting two. Week from Wednesday, Ball State, Georgia Southern up there at Worthen Arena in Muncie. Michael Lewis is first year as head coach of the Cardinals. You can watch them on Wednesday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. December 21st. Give us a ring. Pop quiz time. 317-239-1070. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Kevin's just feverishly looking over and scouring the pop quiz here. Yeah, Scotty's back, so no more substitute TJ. I was kind of a weak effort by I'll speak for myself by myself last I week thought, with the pop I quiz. Mine was just fine. What color is green? <laughs> we did have a big upset over the weekend, the Bowen family. Rosie sat on Santa's lap. Whoa. Oh, how'd that go? Yeah, huge upset. That was like Saudi Arabia over Argentina type upset. Good. She told um, she told Kringle that she wanted uh, candy canes, dolls, and a kitchen set. Okay. No tears. No tears. Wow. Stoic. Good very job. stoic. If looks could kill, the elves might have had a, an issue or two, but sat on Santa's lap. Now did Max join in? Yeah, but I mean, he didn't know any better at this point. Max is, you know, he's yeah. an a- he's an action figure. Who is, who is starting to sleep better, by the way? So That's good. So we're very happy in the Bowen household. And we seem to be... I feel like Mark and I sound better, Jake. You guys do sound much better, yes. Jake's going to take a turn midweek. <laughs> I can tell already. <laughs> Excuse me? We'll be on Mark, the mend, and on Wednesday, Jake will be like, I feel like hell. <laughs> Mark Mark almost like sounded like he wanted that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three-week journey for you, right, Mark? Yeah. I'm telling you, I think my body staved off whatever you guys were trying to give me when I overslept. That's why I overslept. That's what oh, it was. boy. Here, here comes the spin cycle my on that one. My body was fighting it off and was like, no, you're not getting up. I, we're almost done. Okay. If Mark would not have called you, which would have stopped your sound machine, what boy. time do you think you would have woken up? That is an excellent question. I, probably within like 30 minutes or so, I think I would have naturally awakened and like looked at the clock and then... So you'd have been in here around... 8, 8.30, something like that? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. Boy, this Chris Beard story is disturbing. Does it say, I, not that it's relevant, does it happen to say what family member it was? Not not that that matters. I have not seen that yet. Again, Chris Beard, Texas men's basketball coach, arrested, charged with um, felony after allegedly strangling a family member. Uh Officers responded to a 911 disturbance urgent call at 2.07 a.m. Monday morning. Man. Yeah. Not good at all. Not good. Uh, who do we have for the pop quiz here? Do we have callers lined up, Mark? Yep, we have them lined up, so pick a number. Kevin, you want to go with a number? Um, Let's go with two. Dustin. Two. Uh... Hi, Dustin. Good morning. Hi. 
Dustin. Hello. Hey, you got us? Hey, it's yeah, it's uh it's Connorsville Freezer from the Fantasy Fantasy League. Ah, I love that team name. How how is how is your squad doing? Sneaking into the playoffs, it looks like. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. You're the you're the you're the Detroit Lions just lurking. I'm I'm looks looking like- here to see uh Okay, let's see. The league itself. We'll see where you stand. Connorsville Freezers, you said? Oh, there it is. Dustin Free. Yeah, okay. Oh, sorry, Dustin. I didn't mean to say your last name there. Um, you're seven, seven and, six. and six. Yeah, you're Boy. doing okay. Doing okay. In there. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna get the fourth seed, baby. Let's go. Wait Come a minute here. You. Are you and I competing for the fourth seed here, Dustin? Uh, I think I think the other guy the other guy is going to lose it because he quit playing or something. But yeah, we were competing. I think I'm going to getting it from the other guy from, instead of you. Other guy who, who quit, quit playing. Come on now, he, he quit. Dustin, you yeah. sound like a fun fella. Do you want to oh, come to the my... guy who's two and eleven, who's yeah, got Aaron Rodgers on by, Antonio Gibson on by, in an empty kicker spot? That guy. <laughs> That's no integrity whatsoever. Started Robbie Anderson. Dustin, do you want to come to my PBR party? You sound like you'd be a fun guy to have a Paps Blue Ribbon with. Yeah, I'll come. <laughs> Boy, I'm do looking live, at my team, Dustin. Do you live in Connorsville, Dustin? Yes. Okay. Dustin, I'm shocked I didn't make more noise this week. I started Derek Carr and had the Titans defense score minus six. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Dustin is 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 Dustin the Wind your favorite song? No, no, it's not. Dustin uh, is Matt Howard a legend in Connorsville? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Is Matt Howard a legend in Connorsville? Oh yeah, for sure. Is his dad like the mailman or one of the mailmen? I I I should say. I think he, uh, he might have retired by now, but he's if he hasn't, but he was a mailman. Yeah, bigger legend, bigger legend, Uh, Matt Howard. Mike Heineman or Phil Cox? Phil Cox. Yeah. I mean, you win Mr. Basketball, you know what I mean? All right, here we go. Question number one for you. Speaking of winning awards, who won the Heisman Trophy Saturday night? Was it C.J. Stroud? What's that? Go ahead. C.J. Stroud, Max uh, Dugan Duggan, Caleb Williams, or Stetson Bennett? Caleb. Okay. Oh, first name basics. Dustin, the Chiefs held off the Broncos yesterday to pick up their 14th straight W over Denver. Mahomes has gone 10-0 against the Broncos, making him just the fourth QB in the Super Bowl era to go at least 10-0 against a single NFL franchise. Name the only QB during the Super Bowl era to go 11-0 against one team, Salt Meat Wounds. A, John Elway, B, Andrew Luck, C, Tom Brady, D, Peyton Manning. Well, I was going to say Manning, but I think I'm going to go with Luck since you said that. Okay. Dustin's a smart dude. Uh, Question number three for you, Dustin. Yesterday, Christian McCaffrey caught and ran for a touchdown. 11th time in his career he's done that. That's the fourth most all-time in the NFL. Which of these guys is not one of the three that is above him on that list? Would it be Jim Brown, Lenny Moore, Brian Westbrook, or Marshall Falk? I'm going to say Jim Brown. Okay. All right, Dustin. Joel Embiid dropped 53 in the 76ers win over the Hornets last night. Just the third player in 76ers history with multiple 50-point games in the same season. Wilt was the first. Who was the other? Billy Cunningham, Julius Irving, Allen Iverson, or Andrew Toney? Be careful with Iverson. the answer. Okay. Boy, Iverson. He just one middle finger at Jake who tried to give him Your a little Your last question, Dustin. 
Who has the best record in the Western Conference of the NBA? Pelicans. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Dustin, Dustin, My Dustin. Goodness. I have never wow. seen someone exude so much confidence and then carry it out in that performance. Scotty nope. just got roundhouse kicked on a Monday. And Scotty said he's home a little uh, under the weather. Well, gosh, Dustin. No wonder I'm not going to win the fantasy league. That was impressive. Destroyed. That was one of the quickest, most efficient pop quizzes in the history of the show. That was. That was. I mean, he did not waste any time at all. Michael Lewis should dress him on Wednesday night when they play Georgia Southern there for that effort. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner, obviously Caleb Williams. Uh, Turn on. Come on. Yes. The only QB during the Super Bowl era to go 11 and 0 against one team. I mean, this is just pure insult to injury. Indeed, Andrew Luck versus the Titans. Correct. It's always a crazy luck stat to me. Is Dustin still on the line? Yeah, he's here. Hey, sure. Dustin. Hell yeah, he's a sure. winner. As a bonus, because you are a winner here. You got all of them correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sounded like the what's who, up who commercials. Did, who did your Spartans defeat in 1983 for the high school state basketball championship? That I don't know. I didn't go to Connorsville High School, so I, I don't you, know who they Where'd you go? Uh, I went to school in North Carolina. Oh, okay. What year did you move to Connersville? Uh, 2005. Uh, and what was her name? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 1983, Connersville, 63-62 over the Indians of Anderson, by the way. Troy yeah, Lewis, yeah. hell of a player for Anderson. Uh, the rest of the answers, Jim Brown was correct. Allen Iverson was correct. And the New Orleans Pelicans, right now at 18-8, and eight, the best record. I like that sound effect Dustin gave. We need to use that. That was good. The guy's a winner. He is. I got the broom. I got the broom. Dustin's in rare air in the history of this pop quiz, yeah, Mark. He is. No question about that. Dustin, obviously, stay on the line. I would say that was like that was like Tiger Woods in 2000. I'll meet Dustin at Mousy's for a PBR. Just dominant. Speaking of Mr. Basketball, Jake. That's rare air. Let's think about this on Saturday, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is my Notre Dame basketball fandom. Okay. Notre Dame's got this commit from Penn High School, Marcus Burton. Okay. I think he had like 38 or something against Zionsville over the weekend. They were down 20-1, to and they came back and won the game. Last Mr. Basketball from South Bend. Ooh. From the, from the city of South Bend? From South Bend, yeah. I guess technically he might be from Granger, but throw Penn in there. Uh, that's the email address. Boy. I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, Mike Warren was from South Bend, but he wasn't a Mr. Basketball. Tom Abernathy was from South Bend, but I don't think he's a Mr. Basketball. I'm probably going way too far back, right? Notre Dame hasn't had many themselves. Luke Zeller, Chris Thomas, not many. I, I um, The name that I thought was, remember Lee Nalon who played at TCU? Yeah, he was a really good player. Yeah. He was an all-star. Jerron Cornell was from South Bend, but he was not Mr. Basketball, right? Really good player. I think you got to go way back. So do you not know the answer? I looked it up and I've forgotten. Let me uh, scramble here and look it up. <laughs> I used to be able to just rattle them off. I was going to say, I felt like that was one of those things you could do. Uh, totally. Uh, yeah. How about David Magley? Am I saying that right? 1978, played at Kansas. Okay. South Bend LaSalle. Does that surprise you? You got to go all the way back to 78? Not really because, I, I mean, it's kind of become a, I mean, no. Boy, you got a lot of Michigan City, Mr. Basketballs yeah, there yeah. in the 80s. Charles Macon, Delray Brooks. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you. I mean, 83, you had um, 
uh, 83 was Alford, right? Mm-hmm. 84 was Troy Lewis and Delray Brooks tied. 85 was Jeff Gross of Warsaw. 86 was Mark Jewell of Lafayette Jeff. 87 was Edwards and Jones from Marion. 88 was Woody Austin. Uh, 89 was Pat Graham. 90 was uh, Damon Bailey. 91 was Glenn Robinson. 92 was Charles Macon. 93 was Kojak Fuller, which then be or no, Sharon Wilkerson, which became Kojak. Right, ninety four was Bryce Drew. Ninety five was Damon Frierson. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, ninety six was Wrecker. Is that Kevin right? Alt. Kevin Alt. Okay. Another yeah, Wrecker. Would... Ninety seven. Coverdale Gardner Jeffries there at the turn of the century. Jeffries was a hell of a player. I think Jared Jeffries is one of the more underappreciated. My buddy Rob Whitaker and I were just having this conversation when people talk about IU basketball greats. For whatever reason, Jeffries' name and Alan Henderson's name. You know, people talk about Cheney and. Woodson and, and Isaiah and Alford. I mean, all for good reason. But Jeffries and Allen Henderson, in terms of versatility, were fabulous players at IU. It seems like Mr. Bassel is pretty up for grabs this year, so we'll see. Miles Colvin, of course, going to uh, Purdue from Heritage Christian. and Well, the kid from Cathedral, right? Yeah, but he just he doesn't put up numbers, Jake. Right. So, we'll see. You know, it's one of those things where if you can be a out-of-the-city Indianapolis kid on a team that gets on a run which Penn could be that right you've got a great chance and again he's committed to Notre Dame it's not like he's chopped liver and frankly we could use someone like that right now <laughs> chop liver no we, 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 we could, well right now that's that, that's a product they're putting on the floor there in South Bend all right we'll do one final time Kevin Quarry on a Monday life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake, Matt was hoping you could do a tankathon to round out the show today with the great Colts news from yesterday that they have climbed up in the draft order from ninth to 7th thanks to the Jags beating the Titans, Panthers beating the Seahawks, and they could climb up to 6th tonight. Again, Cardinals, Cardinals, Cardinals over the we, Patriots. I mean, we need a mock We need a mock draft, is that right? We need a little tankathon action out of you. <laughs> one of these with ads all over the place Hang on. sounds Come pristine on. mark when you play that i know all right here we go you ready yep with the sixth pick no oh, sixth in the 2023 nfl draft the indianapolis colts select quentin johnston wide receiver from texas christian university can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine I could because I don't know if, how many quarterbacks are going to be there. It's, After all the years of wideouts, <laughs> where uh, where are the quarterbacks going before the Colts there at six? Um, this has that Will Levis going to the Panthers, C.J. Stroud going to Detroit, and Bryce Young going number one overall to Houston. This this one I've seen has. Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern offensive tackle going to the Colts at seven. It's a name that oh my goodness. M- Matt Miller <laughs> mentioned with us last week when we had him though? on. 
For those that miss Matt Miller, by the way, ESPN draft analyst, you can check that out on the podcast. We had him on Friday to round out the show. It's a very small percentage, very small percentage, but there is a, I think, percentage of the Colts fan base that's like, if the right quarterback is not there, you take the best player available, and then I get it. you go full on for the tank for Caleb Williams or Drake May next year. And I'm sure that when Chris Hinton was drafted, people probably weren't thrilled with it, right? <coughs> or when Tarek Glenn, I, I I don't remember people with Tarek Glenn necessarily one way or the other, but... Ken Jake, I am not expecting some emotionally charged atmosphere tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse for the return of Victor Oladipo. I think part of that has to do with Oladipo definitely not being the player that he once was here, and we're now two years removed from it, and the Pacers are on great, solid foundation right now to continue this rebuild. Um, I'm sure there'll be some reaction, but I'm not expecting anything too crazy when he checks into the game. Yeah, I, I think you made the interesting point of if if Oladipo had left here and you know ended up in Miami where he's averaging 24 a game and they come in here at 18 and 10 that's one thing but but i mean man the guy gambled on himself and lost and so i think a lot of people and people are excited about Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin so it's like okay you know i mean it's it, it has less sting than Paul George for certain Heat favored by two and a half. And he also played collegiately here, and people still kind of hold that to him. I think well. when he first checks in, he'll get a reaction, but it's not going to be throughout the game where every Correct. time he touches the ball, right, he's going to get booed right. out of the building. Correct. I mean, I could honestly see the IU faithful in the building giving him more of a positive reaction than any. Are there going to be anybody... Are, are there going to be any guys in the stands wearing candy-striped pants? Oh, certainly. Oh, yeah. Number four, cream and crimson jersey. That, that's right. Yeah, maybe a DeMatha jersey. Wow, that, yeah, that's going back there. Right? 7 o'clock tonight, uh, other IU news. You've got IU soccer going for a national title tonight. I think it's 6 o'clock, if I saw that correctly. They've got Syracuse. Try. I don't think of Syracuse as a soccer school. I think of IU Syracuse, and again, I I could still tell you the box score of that 87 game. You have to, you have done that before. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll keep you posted. Alfred had 23, Smart had 21, Thomas had 20, Garrett had 10. We'll keep you posted all day long. Unfortunate health news with Mike Leach. Um, and then with Chris Beard, this news broke during our show. Arrested on third-degree felony for domestic assault. Does not sound good whatsoever on that front. I believe around 4 a.m. last night. So we'll keep you updated throughout the day here on The Fan. Rick Carlisle joins us tomorrow for Kevin Bowen, Jake Corey, Mark Dykton. Everybody have a great Monday.